and there's no more room in hell. The dead will start a podcast. everybody and welcome to the brand new episode 49 of no more room in hell i say brand new because goddamn it's been a long time since we recorded but this is indeed episode 49 so no it is not literally a new podcast uh i am mike in case you forgot joining me as always as a co-host it's mr venom what's up venom how are you Greetings and salutations, zombie lovers. Or maybe I should be saying demon lovers. But either way, we'll we'll figure it out when we talk about the movies. Yeah, I'm doing pretty damn good, Mike. How the hell are you doing? I am doing well. I think the last time we recorded, it was like 100 degrees out. Today, it was like 39 degrees this morning. I was actually warm. It was up to like 75 today, which I know doesn't sound bad, but for December, it's a little warm. I was surprised. I mean, I was pleasantly surprised. I'm not complaining. You know me. I love the heat. The hotter, the better. Yeah, man, we rolled through two like whole holidays between recording, so uh, yeah, maybe we'll speak of. on that <laughs> if we have any, anything interesting to report from them. But uh, before all that, let me uh, introduce the other regular co-host on this show, and that would be Derek. How are you doing, Derek? Mm-hmm. I'm doing good because I'm a sexy boy. Sexy boy. Uh, uh. Hi, Michael. What's going on? The heartbreak kid, Derek. uh yeah no it's it's going well it's going well man it's like at first i was like we have a lot to catch up on and i was like no there's too much to catch up on so i don't know how much catching up we should even be doing but did you know that hugo stickless is in one of these movies (laughs) is he have you not heard the name hugo stickless everyone has heard of hugo stickless (laughs) Derek, what the hell have you been up to these past couple of months? Fucking working. Working? Lots of working? working the man. <laughs> All, every like night and day? Rock. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Venom? What, what, what? I, I guess with you, I know a little more because we're still doing fresh cuts every week, so sure. we're pretty much still putting something out there at least. Yeah, yeah, me. I mean, I've, I've been shopping, believe it or not. Um, for those who don't know, I got a new job at the start of this year, and it's the highest paying job I've ever gotten. Uh, my first six-figure job. 
So, you know, obviously with the wife and I, you know, not having kids, we have two incomes. We both make a lot of money. So I, I've just been shopping. I've, I've actually discovered that I have a Funko Pop problem. Uh, I have an addiction there because I can't seem to stop fucking buying them lately. Uh, and not just like new ones. Like I, I'm going out and buying like expensive ones that I'm hoping will go up in value over time. But yeah. Um, just a lot of shopping. I'm almost done Christmas shopping, believe it or not. I'm one of those guys that shops early. So as we're as we're sitting here on December 2nd, I literally maybe need three or four more things and I'm done. I, I just got to get one more thing myself. That's nice. That's, that's how you can really enjoy December. Get that Christmas shopping done, you know. Do it, you know. If you don't want to deal with the crowds on Black Friday, do it online. Uh, you, you also have Cyber Monday the following week. It, it's just, mm-hmm. you can take care of almost all your shopping. And obviously, because all my family's back east and I don't have any kids, I don't really buy a lot of gifts for, or I don't have a lot of people to buy gifts for. So the people that I do buy gifts for, I tend to go overboard. So, yeah. I, I, I enjoy them. Oh, hey. Do you have Do you have an email where all of us should send uh, our wish list to? Hey. I, have, I have Venom's Licious. It's connected to my... I actually went presents. around a, I went around a couple of years ago asking all of my friends for their wish lists, and I got a bunch of them, but a bunch I never got. So, I, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm not tooting my own horn here by any stretch, but I am very generous. I, I grew up poor, for those who don't know. I grew up incredibly poor. And now, as an adult, to have all this dispensable income, because, you know... I'm not worried about the future. I've got two 401ks. I got an IRA. I've got stocks. Um, you know, I am I am prepared for retirement, my friend. But I, I've just never had this much dispensable income. So that's why I've just been going crazy lately over the last, uh, definitely over this year, but even over the last couple of years, like, you know, I, I towards the end of my time at DirecTV, I was making a decent salary. So I was still buying a lot of gifts over the last couple of years. Derek can attest to that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I uh, I try to take care of my friends, and now I can afford to do it. So I I, I feel I feel like Daddy Rockefeller. <laughs> one of these days, one of these nights. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's cool. I I did some Black Friday shopping as well. Uh, that it's usually the main time of the year where I'll go out and get like 4Ks or something. So I grabbed a handful of those, and uh, I I kind of do most of my shopping like right away. But then I look for like lingering sales because it the whole concept around Black Friday has changed so much over the years. Where it's really not like it's not even really a Black Friday and Cyber Monday anymore. It's basically once Thanksgiving is over, it's like you're getting uh, emailed discounts and promos pretty much constantly until Christmas. So. Like, even though I do the, what I try to do is I do the brunt of the shopping for other people first. So that's out of the way. And then once I know how much I have to spend on myself, I kind of like parse it out to where like, I don't want to spend too much because then I know more sales are coming. And by the time Christmas rolls around, I'm like, damn, I, I kind of slowly built up an arsenal of gifts under this tree. (laughs) Oh, you got your tree up already? Yeah, this year we got it up early. We we don't have like a lot of people have like a certain tradition or custom of like oh, when yeah. to do everything. We for us it's kind of like random every year. That goes for like every yeah. even like Halloween with decorations and stuff. It's kind of just like what we feel like doing that year. Yeah, exactly. Same with me. I I don't have any preset dates or plans. I was thinking about getting a tree this weekend, but I got a lot of poker. I'm going to be busy. 
So I'll probably do it either during the week next week or next weekend. But yeah, because, you know, I get real trees. So, you know, I don't want to get it too early and then it's all brown and shitty by the time Christmas gets here. So, yeah, usually two to three weeks before the day. I'll I'll go start looking for trees. And yeah, I love my real trees. I, I just love that smell all over my living room. It's awesome. Yeah, real trees are better, I think. Oh, yeah. If you if you can handle like all the pine you know, needles. maintenance, making pine yeah. needles, making sure it's watered and all that. It's and it's, the expense. I mean, they're not cheap anymore. I remember I don't know, maybe ten years ago I could get a good six foot Douglas fir for like forty, forty five bucks. Last year, now. yeah, last year the cheapest six foot tree I could find was seventy, and I'm like, damn, seventy bucks for something that's going to be in my house for three or four weeks. Well, whatever. <laughs> I'm a festive motherfucker, so I don't spare expense when it comes to decorations. I just love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of- I get a test. I get a test of how much they are because I work at yeah Home Depot, right. and <laughs> they're fucking expensive. They are pricey, yeah. Speaking of being festive and stuff, it seems like this year we're getting a healthy amount of Christmas horror, like yeah. which is cool. Because it's uh, usually like a lot of times we'll get like indie stuff, but this year we're getting like big name shit, which is nice. So that's cool. Yeah, and yeah. even a John Wick Santa movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I kind of like I kind of get more excited for Christmas horror than even Halloween stuff because. I, I don't really watch much Christmas anything outside of the season of Christmas. Like, it's pretty much like December is when I watch, like, whether it's Christmas horror or just Christmas movies in general. Like, I don't watch them year-round the way I do, like, ho- like I would watch a Halloween movie anytime because yeah. it's not holiday-specific. But the I always get excited for December because I'm like, okay, what new stuff that I've never seen before is going to hit? And this year, it seems like it's going to be a good year for that. Yeah. I'm I'm the complete opposite. I watch Christmas shit all fucking year. Not just horror, my friends. I mean, like, some of my favorite Christmas specials. Like, I, I'll watch Mary... It's it's Christmas time, Charlie Brown, like, in July. I'll ro- I'll watch Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer in February. It's like, I, I just... Those, those specials, the, you know, the old cartoon specials from the 70s and 80s, the ones that I grew up with, they, they just mean so much to me. And I still get that Christmassy feeling. Like if I watch The Year Without a Santa Claus in August, I still kind of get that slightly festive feeling. And, and I start to get excited for the holiday, too. It sounds like Christmas is my favorite holiday, even though I solidly say it's Halloween, because for me, it's <laughs> Halloween year round. I think for all of us, it's Halloween year round. So... Of course, that's going to be our favorite day, but Christmas, you know, being an only child um, and, you know, not really have, like I said, I grew up poor, so not having a lot, you know, my parents did what they could and I always appreciated everything they did because, you know, I, I knew what it was doing, especially now as an adult, I know what it was doing to their bank accounts, you know, spending the amount of money they did on just me. So they kind of instilled that Christmassy, you know, love, that nostalgic love for the holiday that I don't think will ever go away. You know, I'm a 52-year-old man with no kids right now, and I still get giddy around Christmas time. Yeah, that's cool. I, I uh, Once you become an adult around the holidays, you also realize, like, what a task it is to center around everything on this one big day when a lot of people, like, don't get any additional days off. It's like you have that one holiday day off, and you got to go right back to, like, your work routine and everything. It's like, yeah. it's crazy, man, Cause oh, because I... 
I was going to say during most of my working life, I've always had like either the day before off with it or the day after, you know, at least to give some mm-hmm. type of relief. Oh yeah. I've always had it off, but uh, unfortunately for me, you know, my wife being working in the medical field, she doesn't have, you know, she doesn't really have a choice on when she can work. Last year, she actually worked on Christmas Day and it kind of sucked. I, I, I'll happily admit that it just kind of sucked to be alone on Christmas, even though it's not you're not truly alone because you have loved ones in your in your life, be they out of state or, you know, my wife working, you know, just 15 minutes down the road. But the point is, I remember just sitting here watching a Christmas story by myself and, you know, drinking some eggnog and, you know, enjoying some herbal pleasures. And I just remember getting slightly depressed. Like, this doesn't feel like Christmas to me. And it makes sense. You know, you're by yourself. Who's by themselves at Christmas generally? So, yeah, um, it, I definitely feel for people who have to work through the holidays. Because even though I never have, my wife always has. And, you know, you kind of see the look on her face Christmas morning when she has to get ready to go to work. You know, it's not it's not all smiles. But. Hey, at least we're employed, you know, so not going to complain about that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Well, uh, I guess another part of catching up can involve some movies or shows or games we've been playing now because of how long we've been between episodes. There's a hell of a lot we could list off, but we'll try to keep it to like our usual routine. If we if we need to throw in some extras, that's that's fine, I would say. But uh, Venom, I'm going to throw it to you first. So what what do you have that you've uh, watched, played, read, whatever to share? Well, I'm going to bring one to the table that's probably the second biggest movie to come out in October. Um, it's one that we did not review on Fresh Cuts just because of various other things that were out at the same time when this movie got its short theatrical run. And that is, of course, Terrifier 2. Um, Terrifier 2. And spoiler alert, I love this movie. I absolutely loved every second of it. Um, if you guys remember that uh, my review for the original Terrifier wasn't ultra positive. I love the effects. I loved Art the Clown. But I hated the fact that the first movie didn't have much of a story. It was literally just a day in the life of Art the Clown. Just, you know, he just kills a bunch of people that he runs across throughout his day. Um, and, and yeah, it's obviously classic kills, incredibly gory, a very satisfying ending. But just I'm, I'm the kind of guy who likes a story. I like a narrative in my movies. And Man, Terrifier 2 gave it to us. I'm I'm not going to say Terrifier 2 is like the greatest horror story ever written, not by any stretch. It's fairly basic in all honesty. But just the fact that they gave us this great story that actually has character arcs throughout the film. uh, It gave us characters that we care about, that we actually don't want to see die. I've, I've said this before and I'll say it again, folks. If you give me a horror movie filled with a bunch of douchebags just for the killer to kill... It's I'm sure I'll still enjoy it if the kills are good and everything else, but I just need a little bit more substance in my films and Terrifier 2 gave it to me. We got a great story that even leaves a couple of question marks, like a couple of fear. Like I have a couple of theories in the back of my head of who Art the Clown actually is. Maybe we'll get that answer in the third one, which is obviously coming. Um, you know, Damien Leon already said that, you know, they will absolutely continue with the, the Terrifier series. So I mean, what can what can I say about Terrifier that people haven't heard already? Spectacular gore, 
Art the Clown, probably one of the best horror icons of the last five, ten years. Like, I can't think of anyone that I like that much better. Um, just him just standing there smiling creeps me out. And then we get the added factor in this one of the little girl, his little buddy, who's almost as fucking terrifying as he is. And it just between all of that and the incredible gore and an actual storyline, I absolutely adored Terrifier 2. I, I think it's a high recommend. I know it's not in theaters anymore, but it is out in physical media, so you can go and check it out anytime you want. If you got 1995, go ahead and pick that up. That is easily a, a one worth buying. I'm waiting for a 4K myself because I'm sure we're going to get one. So yeah, yeah, but, yeah. They announced it. Best Buy is releasing it first. Perfect. So. That's you see, that's what I'm waiting for. So I'm going to assume you guys have seen it. So go ahead and chime in. Since I have not really seen it yet. Oh no. Okay. Well then, Mike, go ahead and chime in with your spoiler-free review. <laughs> Uh, it's goddamn incredible is what I'd call it. And <laughs> I, I, I actually had pretty tempered expectations going in because yeah. like, I liked the first terrifier. Okay. Enough, like for what it was, but I had no idea. Like they would, not only would they go bigger and better with like the gore, but they actually put together a decent story. I mean, it's nothing like all layered and yeah. complex, but they did enough because keep in mind terrifier two is two and a half hours. So, um, the fact that they, I I would say maybe it lost a little bit of steam in the last 20 minutes, but for being two and a half hours, I can, I can, uh, consider that a forgivable offense, but they, they really went like over the top. They, I, I feel like going into it, I was like, are they over promising? Because there was a lot of stuff being said (laughs) by like the team of behind it. And I'm like, and I'm like, man, the, the the first one had some good gore, but wow, listen to the way they're talking about this. But man, they they were correct. They it was amazing. Um, and to me, it's like if that's the type of movie you're gonna make, that's how you do it, right? They yeah. delivered on the on exactly what they were trying to do, and I think there's like rumors of a third one now. Oh yeah, it's definitely coming. Yeah, Leon has already confirmed that. That's uh, an absolute. But yeah, I just. God, this movie just makes me so happy. Like, it, it it gave me shades of the sadness. Um, even though I might put the sadness just a half a step above this one, just for the just giddy, gory good time that it gave me. But Terrifier, maybe because my just like Mike, maybe because my expectations were so tempered, maybe that's why I love this one so much. But yeah, I didn't even notice the runtime. Like, I knew it was two and a half hours going in. But then when the movie ended, I'm like, that was two and a half hours? Holy shit. It just flew by because you're not waiting for anything. There is character development in the film. But, I mean, you get a great kill scene right away, right as the movie's starting, which sets the tone for the entire thing beautifully. And then we get some actual legit comedy with Art the Clown. Like, he's legit funny in this movie, like, legitimately. Especially some of his interactions with his little with his little buddy, his little... Uh, Art, uh, what can we call her? She never really did. She have a name? The little pale girl oh, that in in the credits yeah, she's the little remember. pale girl. Corey Cunningham. Oh, stop that! Oh no! Don't you even mention that fucking movie when I'm talking about a good one? Damn. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you, wait. I mean, you're not you're not talking about Corey Corey Fire too? No, no. Nope. Thankfully, <laughs> no. No more Cunninghams. God damn it. Um. Well. 
Unless it's, uh, you know, Arnie from Christine, but that's a different oh, story. Oh, Arnie. <laughs> Arnie. But yeah, I mean, the long and the short of it is I absolutely love Terrifier 2. If you're into, you know, gory, guilty pleasure type films, and, and when I say guilty pleasure, I'm not calling this a bad movie that would be a guilty pleasure for you to like. I'm just saying it's so goddamn gory. And there's even some animal violence in here, too. So warning for those of you who love animals, there is one particular scene with a possum, I believe, that's just fucking gnarly. So, yeah, fair warning. Um, and the other great thing I like about Terrifier is that all its advertising hasn't been hyperbole. You know, all the, all the comments about people passing out and puking in the theater, it's legit. Like, we've seen the videos. We've seen pictures online. It's like, you know, this isn't like a lot of movies that will advertise that. You know, oh, see the movie that made people pass out at Fantasia or, you know, at Fantastic Fest or whatever. My but this movie, huh? Well, I was going to say my favorite review was Jerry O'Connell on the fucking view. He was like, it made Alien look like Bambi. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, my God. This, yeah. No, I, I, I couldn't have said it any better. I mean, this, yeah. this movie definitely makes, you know, stuff that plays in uh, that st standard Hollywood horror that plays in theater absolutely makes that stuff look like Disney. I mean, Terrifier is definitely for the initiated. Like, I, w I wouldn't recommend this to a new horror fan unless their intention was to be as grossed out as possible. But, yeah. Yeah, this 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 movie definitely has a target audience um, for, like, if you, for a specific type of horror. The biggest mystery, mystery to me right now is why the hell did Don not like it? And we haven't found out yet because... Yeah, and I don't know that I want uh, to. That's going to turn into an ugly conversation. It, it had no shark, and it had Pantera, and it's the only two things I could think of. Oh, my God. It, it, I mean, it, watching the movie in the theater the first time, I watched it three times in theaters. Uh, watching it in theaters the first time, I'm like, Don is going to love this. This is It feels like a Don movie, doesn't it? Exactly. I mean, if he loves the sadness, how do you not love Terrifier? But, you know, we haven't had that conversation yet. And like I said, I'm trying to avoid it. But it'll probably come up eventually <laughs> on one of the shows. But, yeah. I'll bring it up next time. I'm Do it. Up. Ask him why the hell he hates Terrifier so much. Well, I, I, assume, <laughs> I assume it'll come up. Like, if it doesn't come up before then, if it's on either your or my top ten of the year then I'll give Don, like, I guess, you know, some space oh, to, like, explain why he doesn't like it. Watch you just it's his real number one. That would be, well, <laughs> Don's number one is the same as mine. I know that for a fact, but, um, I mean, Terrifier, I, it's, like, top three for me right now this year. I mean, that's high praise, I know. It's just that the movie spoke to me in every way I wanted it to speak to me. You know, is it a perfect horror film? No. Is every horror fan going to love this? No, of course not. But if you're a certain type of fan, basically someone like me, I think you're going to dig this movie. It's gory, yet still fun. And that's what we needed in the cinema this year, especially after that atrocity that came to us from Haddonfield, Illinois. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll kick it over to Derek. What do you got first? Let's see what I want to talk about first, Michael. I think I'm going to talk about a book I was reading recently uh, by Mr. Stephen King named Revival, uh, which is pretty awesome. And I hope one day they actually do make like a film adaptation of it at one point. But uh, pretty much it's about like this young boy named Jamie. And it's about how he met like this 
reverend character who's kind of obsessed with electricity and there's like his local reverend and what happens is like uh the reverend's family ends up dying in like this car accident and he ends up like going berserk in this like a sermon one day talking about like nazism and shit and fucking craziness and pretty much like oh god doesn't exist you know and shit like that so he ends up leaving. Years go by. Jamie becomes like a heroin addict, guitarist, and he actually runs into this dude. And yeah, this dude ends up like uh, taking Jamie under his wing. Uh, Reverend fucking uh, the fuck was his name? I forget the Reverend's name. It's been a while since I read the book. But uh, yeah, he's very obsessed with electricity in a way where he actually figured out a way to use what he calls special lightning and use it to cure people. Hence uh, the name of the book. It's about revival uh, fucking seminars, you know, like the big tent revivals, that type of shit where he does like this whole act of like, Oh, gain money to do what he's really wanting to do, which I'm not going to spoil because hopefully one day they will make uh listen to a movie and it goes into some crazy cosmic Lovecraftian areas, which, you know, King was a huge fan of Lovecraft himself. And it was kind of interesting that this is probably the closest to a Lovecraft book that he's written. Mm -hmm. My interest is peaked. Yeah. And, uh, it ends on a very dark, fucked up note. That's all I'll give away. And, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was actually one of the better Stephen... It was kind of a banger Stephen King novel, which, you know, some recently, like, through the years, he's been kind of getting back into, like, his peak of writing, where some of his books after, like, his accident, like, fucking Dreamcatcher, were kind of like... <laughs> Yeah, and you and you know like the ad- adaptations of those movies were not as good either. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, revival. Check it out if you're a Stephen King fan. Maybe they'll make it a Netflix show. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. Well, now it might not, might be an Amazon show because Flanagan left Netflix to go to Amazon. Right, I did see that. Um, all right, so first up for me, let's look at my long list. You know, I'll actually talk about something I did for Halloween or October. Uh, a lot of people do the 31 challenge or 31 day challenge. So for me, I I wasn't sure I was if I was going to do anything because I haven't actually done it in a, in a few years. But I was thinking, like, what can I do that's something a little different but still in the spirit of the movie thing? And... I, I did the math and I was like, oh, there's 96 episodes of Tales from the Crypt, 31 days of October. So if I watch three a day, um, that'll work out to the entire series. And holy shit, I actually got through it all. And then each day I would uh, post, do a post with the three episodes I watched and like pick my favorite out of the three. Um, obviously, I'm not just going to read off a list now, but I'll say uh, like looking back, the two things that stuck out to me was... I think season two overall was the best um, for 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 episode to episode. And then two, man, there was a lot 
more episodes that were just kind of dull or not that good than I remember. Now, episode for episode, I would still say it's like better than like something like Tales from the Dark Side or Monsters because those ones kind of got really weak as they went on. But yeah, Tales from the Crypt definitely had its like dud episodes or just not very good ones um, as well. And uh, but I had a fun time doing it. It it started to feel a little long in the tooth once I got to like the last week of October where it's just like, Oh shit, I gotta not forget to do this. But, um, overall it was a fun time. Glad I did it. And that was like really the, I think the first time I had rewatched a lot of these episodes in like years. So it gave me a good excuse to do so. Um, and the other thing is like season three is when the Crypt Keeper really started taking on, the big character because in the in the first season he was mostly just like in his his like robe and then season two it's like they added a little bit of like accessories to him but three <laughs> season three is like where he's like full-on like dressed like forrest gump for an episode and that kind of stuff so i'll um, miss you jenna <laughs> <laughs> yeah they they really started having it up with him which is okay because that's really outside the episode itself so his corniness didn't really affect the episodes itself. It was, it was separate. But yeah, still highly recommend Tales from the Crypt. Maybe one day it'll get on HBO and they'll actually remaster them. But for now, you just got to settle for uh, how they're available. And yeah. I think they're the DVDs are still available. Yeah, DVDs are out there. So now that you've rewatched the series, and I'm not even sure if you have an answer, but I'm going to ask anyway. Do you have a favorite episode? Single episode. Um, oh shit, man. It's hard to pick like a single episode. I, I do really like the Tim Curry one, uh, where he plays the one guy's playing the traveling salesman. Yeah. Where Tim Curry's playing like the whole family. Nice. Uh, you know, when, when it comes to tales from the crypt, I actually tend to like the ones with a little bit of like comedic, uh, yes. bent to them because I feel like that's more in line with the spirit of the source material. Like, it, it, they're not straight-up comedies, but there's a little comedy going on in it. Um, I, I really like the Christopher Reeve restaurant one when, when they end up, like, uh, serving people. And, and <laughs> Judd Nelson's in it. Um, that one's really good. Uh, the one with... Uh, wow, what was it? The, the old guy that's getting the plastic surgery to get Kelly Preston and then she ends up going <laughs> or he I think it's William Hickey right the one um, directed by Schwarzenegger yeah yeah when he spends all the money to get like a fitter younger looking body and then at the end she doesn't get with him because the the dude he was trading out with has all the money now so she went for the money over the looks um that so one sad. was good <laughs> yeah um, and I, I like the the first season, the the nine lives one, where he they do the transplant with the cat that gives him nine lives, and then he miscounts it on one of his uh, escape stunts, and he's like, "Oh shit, <laughs> this was my ninth life." Well, well, <laughs> very cool. All right, yeah. let's see. I'm back up. Um, I'm going to bring in a Netflix film, or at least a movie that premiered on Netflix. Um, It's not an American film. Where did this movie I think it's Polish. Are we thinking of the same movie? 
Oh, shit, we are. <laughs> yes, this movie is indeed from Poland. Anybody who knows anything about me knows I absolutely adore religious horror, demonic possession, shit like that. So it was a no-brainer that I would go ahead and check out Hellhole on Netflix pretty much as soon as it dropped. It is, you know, as I said, the foreign language film. And unfortunately, I can't really give it that great a review. Um, this movie... It's a tale of two movies, really, because the movie is exactly 90 minutes long. And for the first hour plus of the film, it's not even horror. It's like it's like a police procedural. Like uh, the, the basic story is um, a priest from you know another church comes to visit this one mysterious church where people are dying, where, you know, uh, some of the monks have been dying. And he witnesses um, an, an exorcism. And, you know, we get this great big exorcism scene with all of the standard exorcism tropes, you know, speaking in tongues, speaking with a voice, you know, though the voice doesn't sound like the girls, blah, 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 blah. Um, but then about, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes into the film, our investigator, our, our, you know, our priest from the other spot, and his name is actually Father Merrick, which I kind of find humorous as the exorcist is my favorite horror film of all time. Um, but yeah, uh, like I said, for the first hour or so, it's basically just this guy trying to investigate these fake exorcisms that supposedly this church has been putting on. Um, you know, he spends the first hour of the film trying to find proof of what's happening. Uh, but of course, we are watching a horror film. So by the third act, we actually start to get some, you know, horror type action and you know, the movie does unfortunately kind of fizzle out. Like, it's a beautiful film. Like, it's on, it's currently on 4K on Netflix. So if you've got a 4K TV and you care at all about these kind of films, I would still recommend it just because it looks gorgeous. But it, it's a pretty been there, done that story, you know, not really satisfying. And and even for me, someone who absolutely loves this subgenre, I can't really recommend it to too many people, other than for its filmmaking prowess. Like I said, it looks gorgeous, nice score, blah, blah, blah. Um, have either of you guys seen Hellhole? That's how I feel about it. <laughs> I did find myself getting a little sleepy about 40 minutes in. <laughs> yeah, they're just fucking walking around, talking. Yeah. Fucking, come on, get some fucking titties out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know what i actually did throw it on and i remember thinking like it was just okay and i think i actually like asked moods about it and because i don't know why i was even talking to him specifically that at that time and i was bringing up stuff about watching and i think he really liked it and i was like uh I was like, I thought it was okay, like ju just okay, not bad. It was it was kind of like the perfect thing to throw on while I was working because yeah. it didn't draw me in incredibly, but I was like, it, it's, it's good enough to see the way through, but uh, yeah, it was just all right. It's great if you need melatonin. Yeah, that's valid. <laughs> if you can make it to the third act, it, you probably won't fall asleep, but yeah, the likelihood that you'll lose interest in that first hour, especially if you're a hardcore horror fan specifically, um, yeah, it's it's just not a very exciting movie, unfortunately. And like I said, an hour into it, you're still wondering, is this actually a horror movie? Did I did I hit play on the right movie? But then eventually, finally, some supernatural stuff starts happening. That's that's a mild spoiler, but whatever. I'm not recommending the movie, so I don't care. 
So yeah, Hellhole 2022 is a brand new film on Netflix, and I do not recommend it. <laughs> no. Short and sweet with a non-recommend. <laughs> All right, Derek, what do you recommend or not recommend next? Speaking of Netflix... Uh-oh. I watched all eight episodes of fucking Tim Burton's Wednesday. Oh, I haven't started it yet. I'm excited, though. Yeah, I loved it. It was nice. great. Uh, just uh, Jenna Ortega as Wednesday Adams. Um, you know, I was kind of like, because I've only seen her in a few movies so far. And, you know, it's like Scream and X. I'm like, yeah, she does pretty great in the role of Wednesday Adams. And. Uh, my favorite character of this show, without giving too much away, is Thing. I've Thing heard is, people say that a lot, actually, yeah. The Thing is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, like, you know, a lot of people were, like, complaining and stuff, like, when Louis Guzman was cast as Gomez Adams, because, you know, because he doesn't look like John Ashton and Raul Julia. But then I did a little bit more research, and, uh, you know, because the Adam Sandler is actually based off a comic. Mm-hmm. And he looks exactly like the comic version of Gomez Adams. Yeah, in the 70s, I think there was an animated series, too. And yeah. that Gomez looks more like Luis Guzman, too. Yeah. So I Even, think- like, the new animated movies, they kind of use that version, too. Yeah, I like I I prefer it. I mean, I love John Ash. That you know, don't get me wrong. Obviously, yeah. an absolute classic, and of course, Raul Julia. You know, rest in peace. Amazing actor. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I actually was one of the few people that was excited to see Luis Guzman get this role. Um, I, I was genuinely looking forward to it. I've been a fan of his for you know decades at this point, and um, I, I was excited. I haven't started it yet, but I am really looking forward to it. I may start it this weekend finally. Because I still, I'm still finishing up. Um, what do you call it? Uh, Lord of the Rings series and um, House of the Dragon. So I'm behind. I'm very yeah, behind. <laughs> yeah. I'm, 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 I gotta catch up on Andor myself. You know, so I, <laughs> I haven't even started Andor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, I, and I am a religious Star Wars viewer, but yeah, there's just been so much out, and, and I'm, I'm not the kind of person who likes to watch ten shows at once. You know what I mean? I, I, technically, I, I watch movies more than television. And when I do watch television, I almost never binge. I mean, literally, the only series I've ever binged my entire life is uh, Haunting a Hill House. Yeah. And that's just because the wife and I, we just couldn't stop. We just, every episode ended so beautifully, we just had to keep going. But that's it. That's the only series I've ever felt the need to binge. Oh, yeah. But if you guys want to watch Wednesday, just Mm -hmm. know this. There is one scene that made me and my dad tear up in this show. I'm really looking forward to it then. Yeah. I love when horror does some emotional stuff, you know? I dig that. Yeah. Hell yeah. And, you know, like, you know, pretty much it's fucking Harry Potter with the Addams Family character, (laughs) which I love. You know, I love Harry Potter. So I'm all down for that. (laughs) Yeah, I've seen the first two episodes of Wednesday, and I think it's really good. Like, I'm kind of watching it slowly because my kids like it so yeah i'm kind of like leaving it up to them they're they're the type that like they don't really well i I, they don't necessarily binge stuff so once like i kind of agree to watch something with them i'm kind of at the mercy of 
like uh, when they feel like watching more of it. But uh, so far through two episodes, I I think it's really good. I think Jenna Ortega as Wednesday really shines in the show. Um, And then, yeah, like Guzman as uh, Gomez, I thought he was fine. Like I I, I liked his portrayal. Uh, I would say I have, uh, I would say uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones did more of the sleepwalking through a role if I had to like say, no, that, she that's gets better. Yeah, it's, she yeah, gets better that's what I was gonna say. I can only base it on the like the very what ten minutes she was in in the first episode. So maybe yeah. there's more to see. Yeah, and yeah. thing is, thing rules so far. Even only two episodes in. Yeah, he's pretty fucking awesome. He's like the Luca Brasi of Wednesday. It's <laughs> 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 fucking awesome. I won't swear. Yeah, I gotta stop talking about it because you guys don't even know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I gotta get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So, second up for me is uh, another new movie I saw in the theater. Um, was not. Turns out we did not do an episode of Fresh Cuts on it. So um, I was like, well, let me write it down in case. And that would be Bones and All. Um, ah. I know. I have either of you guys seen this yet? From the yeah. director of Sesnoria, S- 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 Sesnoria remake, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, this one does have some walking in it too, but it's more of a <laughs> <laughs> not, not quite as much, more driving than walking in this one. But this one's definitely one of those like it's kind of like a hybrid road movie, a little bit of a coming of age. There Probably is some romance. <laughs> But also, yeah, con- cannibal. Yeah, kind of like Stakeland, but with cannibals instead. I, it really has like a Doctor Sleep vibe kind of because of the nomadic nature of the main characters and what what you learn about them. Um, I, I think for straight horror fans, like if you go into this wanting like a straight move, straight horror movie, yeah, it's it might not deliver enough horror stuff for you. But if you just want like a good movie, I think. It, it's it's plenty good. I I recommend it. I I liked uh, the development of the characters. I liked that the 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 main to me the main theme of it was kind of like a sense of belonging, figuring it out, discovering it because of the situation the main character is in to start the movie. And uh, I think through the movie you're introduced some like pretty weird out there characters. Um, and it does a good job with the story. So, yeah, I highly recommend Bones and all. So it's the better movie with David Gordon Green's name attached to it. Because he's, oh, he's, stu- he's in it for a scene, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember when, he, he, yeah, ahead, when he came on screen, I was like, oh, my God, it's him. <laughs> the man who ruined a franchise. And he's about to ruin my favorite horror movie of all time. And I'm not fucking happy about that. I am fucking not happy about that. I, I For like the last 30 or so years, I've always said, if anybody ever tries to remake The Exorcist, I'll fucking drive to Hollywood and put a bullet in their brain. And now this dumb fuck who ruined Halloween is now going to ruin The Exorcist. I'm not happy in any way. So that so that actually got confirmed. I was hoping it was just like a rumor. I don't know. Like, if I mean, I don't know if it officially got confirmed, but I read it from enough sources that there's got to be some truth to it. Why can't and they just they... give the like? Why can't they just fire him and give the like Flanagan? He is uh, work... exactly Flanagan any day of the week. I, he's worked I with mean... Blumhouse, you know. Like, yeah. what the fuck? I I just don't understand why you need it. It's because it's like so many 
possession and exorcism movies come out as it is. It's like, just make your own one. Like, why do you even need to remake the exorcist? And didn't the story say something like, Oh, it's going to be a trilogy or something. I'm like, no, like you can't announce that ahead of time. Exorcist ends starring Corey Cunningham. Oh God. (laughs) I mean, he sort of was, uh, I guess, possessed in Halloween ends in a way already, I guess. Watch, it's going to be a spinoff. It's going to all come together. No. Where Ellen Bernstein's going to fight Jamie Lee Curtis in a Hell in a Cell match. <laughs> someone's going to get someone's going to get clotheslined off a bridge and dragged that, into it's uh, gonna lead to the by Pazuzu. <laughs> yeah, it's going to lead into the Escape of New York remake. No. With Kurt Russell. Pazuzu's going to look into my eyes. Every you time we say this powers. shit, I, I I worry that we're putting it out in the ether and someone's going to pick it up and be like, hey. That might be a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> some some going idiot. To the writer's room. <laughs> so so exactly. if you guys do like a direct like a producer's cut of Halloween ends, get Tom Atkins to play his character from Halloween three and you know, he does that whole scene where he's like, Stop it <laughs> At the end of the movie with Jamie Lee Curtis there. And we find out it's Silver Shamrock one anyways. <laughs> For me, Stop it! I mean, ultimately, for me, Halloween's end, Halloween ends is just about that last 20 minutes. Like, to me, Halloween ends is a 20-minute long movie. Because everything that happens for the first hour and a half, I don't give a rat fuck about. But you, that those last 20 minutes, uh, I'm I'm on board for. I, I, I actually did like the end of Michael Myers. Like, you know, how they culminated the whole story. Like, all of that, I was down for. It was the hour and a half before that that just... Uh, just ground me. I mean, I legitimately, I thought about walking out. Like I, I'm, I'm just like, after about an hour of just Corey Cunningham, I'm just like, what the fuck am I watching? Like if, if we weren't, if we weren't reviewing it, I would have walked out. Oh, especially with fucking Lori's like, I'm going to hook you up my neat, my granddaughter. But then yeah, later, like, I don't want not... you. And she does this fucking gay narration throughout it. Like she's fucking pony boy in the outsiders. <laughs> But yeah, it's like it, it bothers me too that Lori couldn't pick up on what was going on in Corey's head when she first met him. But then as soon as he tries to start dating her granddaughter, suddenly he's evil. It's like, yeah, no. If if the granddaughter got naked, that would have been like a I would have raised it a point. Ah, uh, maybe. I point mean, five. I'm I'm past the point of nudity improving movies for me. Like if a movie's bad, throwing a couple of titties in there is not going to help it. Okay, it needs to show full on penetration then. Oh, I mean maybe, <laughs> but then it's, it's just a point. Like Antichrist. So, like who cares? They will in the phone now. Oh God, yeah. Oh, see again, you're bringing up great movies when we're talking about Halloween ends. <laughs> yeah, so, some. I've heard some people float the idea of like, well, why don't they, uh, why don't the next uh, people that want to make Halloween go extend the Jamie Lloyd story? I'm like, yeah. no, because it's not good. It wasn't oh. good to begin with. That's why. No, no. Loomis at the end of four. No. Oh, God. Cult of Thorn. Jesus. Fuck. Bring back Fall Rudd. I met a guy who had that tattooed on his hand, too. The symbol, the thorn symbol. My God, did I want to kick him in the mouth. <laughs> bring Each of them, back, you know? I'm, not gonna, back, I'm, I'm never going to give anybody shit for a movie that they like, but holy fuck. Some bring movie. back Nick Cage Myers. 
<laughs> Nick Cage Myers. Yeah, he looked like <laughs> Nick Cage in part five. So. That's true. Yeah, that was a shitty mask. <laughs> Not as shitty as H2O. Oh, the CG mask? Oh, sexy. So, so I mean, that's definitely the best and thing that's it, happened to the Halloween franchise in decades. Plus, he looks like he's constipated throughout the movie. <laughs> yeah, on. It really bothered me that he did that ninja thing in that movie where he came down from the ceiling. I'm like, Michael is not a fucking gymnast. He's never been established to have that kind of ability. Yeah, and then the next movie he gets beat up by ninja. Buster oh, right. oh, God. Happy Halloween, motherfucker. <laughs> oh god let's move on so we can get to a good movie <laughs> you go stickless i'm like what was the original movie we were talking about now i can't even remember I is know. it Derek now i don't even know i think it was you yeah i don't know i don't know yeah it's definitely now. mike oh it was bones and all so it's venom yeah, bones and all. oh so it's back to me nice oh okay yeah all right well, let's let's keep up the trend of uh, shitty demonic possession movies. This one actually played in theaters. This is another movie that we didn't do on uh, Fresh Cuts. And you know what? I'm very, very glad that we did not. I don't, <laughs> I don't remember what we did in, in its place. Um, I think it, it might have been the Argento movie, Dark Glasses. But either way, yeah, th- this movie is Pray for the Devil. It was released just before Halloween. Mm. Actually, I think it was our Halloween movie this year. It came out like the weekend of Halloween. So, And, oh, my friends, holy shit. The best thing I can say about this movie is if you've never, ever in your life ever watched an exorcism movie, you might like this one. If if you have, especially somebody like me, where it's my favorite subgenre of horror, this movie was just so color by numbers. I mean, you could literally pick out the scenes as they were coming. Like, oh, that's going to happen. Oh, that's going to happen. And then I picked that fucking ending like less than halfway through the movie. I said, oh, shit, is it going to end like this? And guess what? It ended exactly like I thought it would. And yeah, th- this movie, I'm not going to say it's a bad movie. It's well filmed, well acted. You know, the writing is okay. It's not inspired by any stretch, but it's passable. But like I said, you could play a demonic possession bingo with this movie and just check off the tropes. I mean, the movie is just nothing but exorcism tropes left and right. And like I said, we get the ending that we all expected to get, which just ends up ruining a movie for me. So, yeah, pray for the devil. Um, At least it's only 90 minutes long. It's not... I mean, I'd rather watch Pray for the Devil than Hellhole. I mean, Hellhole was a better made film, but at least Pray for the Devil was like mildly entertaining and mildly horror throughout. It's not like I had to wait for three quarters of the runtime to go by before it turned into a horror movie. But ultimately, yeah, this is another one that I can't really recommend. I mean, as I've said, and I'll continue to say this, it's not a bad movie. It's just so cliche that it's dull. Like, I, I just, I was bored the whole hour and a half because I've literally seen every gag that they did in this movie, I've seen in better Demonic Possessions movies. So it's like, what the hell? Why am I even here? So, yeah, I don't know if either of you guys saw that, but I would avoid it. Yeah, I saw the trailer for it in the theaters. I'm like, yeah, that's a skip. Yeah, I mean, like I said, because it's because of the subgenre, I'm always going to watch those movies, ultimately. And every now and again, you do get, like, a diamond in the rough, like... You know, Exorcist Vengeance with uh, that bronzy guy. The, the <laughs> like, that movie is bad, but I would wa- I'd, I'd watch that fifty times before I watch Pray for the Devil again. Which like, 
We're doing that on a commentary on that. Let's do I it. love it. I would love it. Because, I mean, an exorcist that carries a 357 Magnum. That's all I got to say. Hey, belly. That's fucking, that's cinema gold right there. So, the yeah. power of Christ can tell us <laughs> you, belly. Yeah, so the point, and, and, and there's, I mean, there's not really a lot of people in this movie. You got Virginia Madsen in here. I think Kumar from the Harold and Kumar movies is in here, but. That's about it. It, it. There's nothing in here that's really all that redeeming. Wait, he's in that one too, isn't he? In Smiles. Yeah, he's in Smiles. I mean, he has a, he has like one line in this movie, but yeah, yeah. I, I guess he's the new uh, horror background player. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's pray for the devil, folks. I would avoid it. Not a terrible movie, but if you've ever seen an exorcism movie, you've seen it all before. So what's the point? <laughs> yeah, that. That's one I think I tried to veto on Fresh Cuts because I had seen the trailer from other movies in the theater, and I was just like, you know, I, I was I was worried that, like, okay, at best, this will just feel like a derivative possession movie, but I was like, at worst, it could just be a whole lot of garbage, but I was like, man, I just feel like doing something else, and I guess it was the right choice. <laughs> yeah, I remember Don really wanted to do that Argento movie, so, you know, Pray for, pray for the Devil just kind of got... You know, push to the back. Dark Galoshes by Argento. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Derek, what do you got up? Well, uh, I don't know if I actually reviewed this movie when I fucking, uh, well, it's been a while, so that makes sense. But, yeah, I'm to, I'll talk about fucking Smile, which is ten times a better movie than Halloween Ends. <laughs> which, you know, I thought I would never say that, like, you're months later but it is uh yeah you follow uh kevin bacon and kara sedwick's love child Susie bacon who's the main character of the movie rose and she's like a help therapist i don't really she's like a doctor that helps like people with trauma and stress and shit like that and uh because she has her own like demons that we learn throughout the movie and uh, she gets a patient in, Laura, who, you know, saw her teacher kill her himself. And she's like, I see these fucking things that look like people that I knew. And, you know, they, they just give me these smiles. And, man, when that fucking smile shit started happening, I'm like, okay, that's fucking creepy as fuck, the way they're smiling in this movie. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, this movie, like, I, I you know, I didn't picture like this fucking crazy like credit sequence or the smile just comes at you like an epileptic seizure and then you know it starts to kind of like feel like you know this movie borrow you know it's not original because we've seen other movies do like this type of story but i think it's just well done for like a first time director's first movie you know it, it could be a lot worse in that sense where you know, there's actually jumps, jump scare that happens that actually got me in theaters because I was not fucking expecting it. And, uh, you know, it actually has a balls enough to end fucking, well, dark. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which I, I give credit because a lot of like these type of horror movies usually have happy fucking endings. I'm like, smiles like, hold my beer. <laughs> You know, you know, so I enjoyed it for what it was, you know, it's not mind blowing by any stretch or, you know, but it was a fun ride. And, you know, I liked 
where the story went, and you know that scene with the fucking cat. Oh fuck! I was like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, we reviewed this on Fresh Cuts, and I'll say the same thing now that I said back then. It to me, it was a middle of the road movie. Like I, I won't call it a bad movie, but like. I just I wanted so much more out of this. And and honestly, folks, if you want to see a movie with creepy smiles, go watch the sadness. The smiles in those that movie are way fucking creepier than what we get in Smile. Um, and I, not necessarily the smile itself, but what the smile represents. So, I mean, Smile, like I said, it's not bad, but I, I don't really think it's very good. I hated the end creature, the, the CG monstrosity that they gave us to end the movie with. Oh, it was I all also, practical, baby. That had to be some CG. No, it was all practical. I saw there, the making. There's no way that was all practical. Yeah, that thing at man. the end? Yeah. Mother? Yeah. Oh, the mother. I thought you meant Yeah, I'm like, talking about mother. Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought you meant the real reveal. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, yeah, the mother. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about mama. Yeah. yeah, that's what I mean. That ruined the end of the movie for me. It's like I was kind of on board with like the creep level, the creepiness level of the movie. You know, the first hour I was totally, you know, on board. It wasn't like mind blowing by any stretch, but at least I was on board. But yeah, the third act just absolutely ruined it for me, um, which, you know, didn't bring it down to a poor rating. It just brought it down to like a middle of the road rating. So I'm not going to call it a bad movie because ultimately it's not. But for me, for somebody who's been in the genre this long and has watched as many movies as we have, it, it felt middle of the road at best for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I, I did like kind of like the subtext in the movie because I thought what they were trying to do with uh, the story was basically say th- or, or display how like tr- uh, one person's trauma can kind of like spread to those around them. I thought that's kind of what they were going for with metaphor. But mm-hmm. um, I, man, now, uh, now that there's been some distance between like when I've seen it, uh, some of the details are scant. But I did like some of the like the the jump scares in it. Uh, the the scene with, I think it's like the sister when she comes out to the car and yeah, like, the head drops. Oh Hell man, yeah. that was like really good. Um, yeah, mine was and, the one that got me was the one where she's on the computer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was good. Uh, the one where she goes back to the hospital, I think, to like get her stuff or do something, and like the the patient. That one patient starts. <laughs> she's like so stabbing not. him, and he, yeah, and he, he's like laughing. And then, uh, it's not his name. Uh, what is it? Uh, everyone calls Carl. him Kumar because of Harold yeah. Kumar. But Cal. what is it? Cal Patel. Or, yeah. Um, he that scene with it, that was just a great scene. I, I love when it got crazy like that out of nowhere. Um, but yeah, it, it was de- to me. It definitely felt like a jump scare heavy movie, but that's okay. Some movies can get by on that, so I, yeah. I was good with it. One of the biggest uh, issues I had with it uh, was the fact that the main character had the ability to end this fucking curse, but she didn't have the balls to do what she needed to do, and that bothered me because you know the whole movie she's trying to figure out a way to stop this, or you know a, a way to either you know, send it back or whatever. And she had the perfect way. They don't bring it up in the movie, mind you. It's just something that if you see the movie, I think most of you are going to know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to talk about it here because it's a little bit of a spoiler, 
But there's something that she very easily could have done to end the curse, and then she didn't fucking do it. And because she doesn't do it, we get the ending that we got. So this is part of, you know, the, the selfishness of some horror characters It's like, you know, stop thinking about yourself and think about all the other people that are going to be affected by this curse if you don't stop it now. So, you know, that that kind of it kind of soured me on the character a little bit, you know, especially because she was, you know, she spends the majority of the movie investigating this whole curse and everything and trying to figure out where it comes from or how to stop it. And I'm like, dude, there's a very fucking simple way for you to stop it and you're not going to do it. And that. You know, and obviously the movie would be a lot shorter if they did that. I understand that. You know, you have to have stupid people in horror movies to advance the plot. I I get that. But in this particular instance, the fact that there was one simple thing she could have done, but just doesn't do it, just made me it makes the character slightly selfish to me. And, you know, it kind of leaves a sour taste in my mouth as I'm leaving the theater. So, yeah, not a bad movie, just not a great one. Yeah, yeah, I kind of like what she did with the decision because she would have ended up like one of the other characters we meet later in the movie. Right, right. But yeah, like I said, I just yeah. Um, if I was in that situation and I knew what was going to happen if I didn't stop this shit, I, I would have stopped it. I mean, especially considering where she was in that movie at that point. You know, she already lost her husband. She lost her job. The police are after her. It's like you've got nothing for you waiting for you anyway. So just fucking do what needs to be done and end the curse. But nope. He's got Joel. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, yeah, smile's okay, in my opinion. It was just weird because, you know, she looks like her mom a lot throughout the movie. but Way more like her mom, yeah. But then when she smiles, she does look like her dad. I, I didn't notice, like, the, throughout the whole movie, I'm like, damn, she looks like Kira. Like, I barely saw any Kevin. I'm sure you're right, but like I said, by the time we're halfway through the movie, I started to kind of lose interest. <laughs> so, even though I'm watching it in the theater and it's my main focus, I'm I'm kind of looking through the screen more than I'm looking at it. <laughs> and weird song choice to end the movie with, Lollipop. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, that's an interesting <laughs> one. <laughs> Yeah, I, I remember that. I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> um, okay. I guess that goes back to me then. So, uh, this is one I haven't really discussed with a lot of people. And depending on who's seen it and who hasn't, maybe it could be <laughs> a disagreement on this. But uh, Speak No Evil, have either of you guys seen it? No, I guess not. Is that new? <laughs> Yeah, on Shudder. Oh, then I definitely haven't seen it. Um, I think when one of the one of the weeks we were looking for something on VOD, I think Don mentioned it, but oh, he was one, like, I've seen the poster of it. I never watched it yet, though. Okay, I was. Just... Yeah, it's. I think Don was trying to discourage us from doing it because. It's, it's definitely like, not a Dawn movie. It's not a Dawn movie at all. It might not even be a Venom movie, but maybe here. Here's my thing. I I I. There's hope I for say it's, <laughs> it's not. I wouldn't say it's necessarily not a Venom movie, but I guarantee if Venom did watch it. Oh, there's a character named Derek in this movie. I'm definitely watching it. <laughs> Venom, you definitely have a couple complaints about something or a couple things the main characters do. Because as I was watching it, I was like. 
Hmm, I guess it's good we're not doing this on fresh cuts because I can already see Venom going, these fucking idiots, why don't they just do the other thing? Um, hey, ultimately, I, bad decisions don't necessarily ruin a movie. I mean, one of the best horror movies of the year, Barbarian, had some of the dumbest fucking characters in it, but I still love that movie. So at least dumb characters in and of itself won't ruin the movie for me. Yeah, so speaking of evil, it's basically like... Uh, I would almost call it like a character study of a couple of main characters getting almost uh, uh, wound down barriers coming down. And let's just say bad things happen. It snowballs and we get our conclusion. I have to keep it vague because you guys haven't seen it and it's hard to really talk about without spoiler. But I really liked it. I, I thought it was a interesting char- character study between um, – the 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 contrast between the two couples and it it brings up a lot of questions i think about human nature and the the instinctual behavior differences between people how different certain people react in an awkward situation and i understand i well like i'm almost having a hypothetical with uh, would would have watched it venom <laughs> i could understand people <laughs> having the reaction of like, why are they acting so stupid? But I also would have like, um, you know, my, or my perspective of the explanations on it, that there's no point in giving now, obviously, but I don't know if you end up seeing it before the end of the year, maybe you can just bring it up on like a future episode. Cause I would like to have an actual discussion on it. Just, we didn't do it on fresh cut. So I really haven't had the chance and it's on shutter. Is it it two hours? It's an hour uh, and 37 I, minutes. Yeah, I didn't think it was a two-hour movie yet, no. Maybe I'll check it out. Not like Hellhole, that felt like two hours. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and especially after October, where I watched all these great found footage movies, and then it just seemed like November started with, like, what, Dark Glasses and a bunch of other movies that were just slightly disappointing. So, yeah. Dark Glasses in galoshes. Yeah. And the absolute heartbreak that is VHS 99. Oh, I know. God damn it. It it literally went from in my top five last year for VHS, what, 95 or whatever, 94. And this year, it's literally one of my 10 hated, most hated movies of the year. That that's a huge uh, shift. (laughs) But then maybe maybe 85 will redeem it. That's what I'm hoping. Maybe they're doing like the every, like maybe they got the Star Trek curse where every other one is good, you know? Two was great, three sucked, four was great, five sucked, so maybe six now, the next one will be awesome. Fingers crossed. That's all I can say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. Um, so technically that's our normal rotation. We've all done three, so we can cut it off unless. You know, there, it's been so long. If there's anything else that you guys want to bring up. Um, I'll bring up just a couple. I'm not going to go into descriptions or anything else. These are just movies that I think you guys should avoid. <laughs> the first <laughs> the first one is The Curse of Jack Frost. This is a brand new movie. 2022 just came out. And it's pretty fucking terrible. Go back and watch uh, Jack Frost with Shannon Elizabeth. That one's way better. Um, let's <laughs> see. Uh, Something in the Woods. Probably one of the worst movies I've seen this year. 
Um, it's on VOD. I don't think it's streaming anywhere. I, I you know, I, I, I got a code to watch it uh, a few weeks back, and yeah, it's just not very good. I watched it because it was an hour and five minutes long, so I figured even if it sucks, um, it's only an hour long. But yeah, that hour felt like three hours. So yeah, avoid. something in the woods, avoid. Uh, and then the last one I'll bring up, and this one necessarily isn't an avoid. Um, because it's getting good reviews, but it didn't work for me as well as it did for others. And that's um, Deadstream on Shudder. Uh, found footage film, you know, uh, some YouTuber investigating a haunted house, blah, blah, blah. You know, we've all seen it before. <clears throat> the movie wasn't bad. It's the character. The, the, the one character that we spend the entire fucking movie with is just one of the worst most annoying douchebags I've ever seen in a horror film. I fucking hate this guy with the fire of a thousand hells. Just, ah. But somehow the movie still does come through. The ending is pretty entertaining. Um, but like I said, if you can deal with, if you can deal with this guy for 85 minutes, um, I would say check it out, especially if you like found footage, with, which I do, obviously. Um, but yeah, um, that's pretty much it for me uh yeah so I, I i do mildly recommend deadstream whereas the other ones jack frost or curse of jack frost and um something in the woods i would say absolutely avoid yeah and oh wait I, i'll bring one more up i actually i forgot i watched slap face yeah i like slap face what'd you think i i liked it till the very end oh i like i even like the end because <laughs> then you gotta think of like the smile spoilers of yeah. There's no way that little boy killed all those cops. No, no, of course not. <laughs> but that's the way people are in horror movies. <laughs> they look at the obvious suspect in front of them, and even if it doesn't make sense, fuck it, you did it. I mean, hell, one of the movies that we're about to talk about uh, has a poor character who's accused of something he didn't do. <laughs> poor Bob. Poor right. Bob. Hey, what's with Fulci and Bob? Yeah. Uh, What's with Fulci and head trauma? God damn. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that. I got a lot to say about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, but that's it for me for what we've been watching. Yeah, the only thing... I crossed off a bunch of stuff from my list, so the only thing that was still here that I didn't cross off for some reason was a little small movie called Fall. Have any of you guys seen that? No. The one where the, the two girls get stuck up on like the defunct radio cell tower. Um, it's, if you're a fan of like, uh, confinement horror, you know, character or characters get stuck in an, uh, an uncomfortable place uh, and have to survive, uh, days on end and figure out a way to get out of there or they're going to die. Yeah. I saw um, frozen. Yeah. It sounds like frozen. I was just about to say kind, kind of like that or like an open water, but you know, the, if it had a killer of, beer in it, I would watch it. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah like a buried oh killer bear cocaine bear oh my god oh I can't boy. wait that's a whole wait. topic yeah i don't even start with that <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i thought i thought for like being a little smaller movie it was good it has the usual tension of like oh what uh, who, are they gonna make it out are they both gonna make it out is one gonna sacrifice um and it wasn't too long because i don't think these types of movies should be like long <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to take your word for it there, Derek. <laughs> yeah, Mike doesn't like fun movies. He does not know what we talk about. Nope. Give him bacon saved Christmas. Oh, oh, I should have brought that up, even though that's not horror in any way, shape, or form. 
<laughs> Again, Mike doesn't like fun, so we'll skip it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 true. I, I guess I've, I've graduated out of my uh, fun uh, yep. <laughs> my fun segment. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much all. Um, I'm taking any horror games I've been playing. Not really. I finished Last of Us 2, but I think I might have brought that up all the way back on our last episode. Yep. I can't remember. I think you did. Yeah, I remember you bringing up a game. Were you still stuck in the one house in Risen Evil? Oh. No, no. I you just gave up? That. Did you actually no. finish it? Yeah, I finished that oh, one. Oh, okay, good, good. Because um, I, I love that ending for Resident Evil 8. I think that ending is awesome. Yeah, yeah. And then Callisto Protocol just came out. I haven't got it yet, but it looks it looks pretty much like a dead space port almost. <laughs> like it looks very similar yeah, by the makers. It, Some of the makers of it I think are involved. Yeah, it's in the it. developers, same developers. So, I, I will absolutely be getting it. Dead Space is one of my favorite uh series uh, over the last like 10, 20 years. The third one wasn't great, but the first two, in my opinion, are absolute classics. So, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, that's what we've been watching. Um, I don't know if there's really much news. Uh, Mike Flanagan's on Amazon now. Yep, he flew the Netflix coop. Which, I mean... He was batting a thousand on Netflix, so I hope he continues that batting average because he never made a bad thing for Netflix, be it a movie or a series. I mean, what before I wake is probably the weakest thing he did for Netflix, and I still like that one a lot. So yeah, I didn't even uh, I didn't even realize did he have like some type of like multi picture deal with Netflix, or did he just happen to be making movies? That it's kind of fucking made. fucked up that they like fucking like named like the Flanniverse on Netflix. And yeah. all um, it's because it's because Netflix has the license to make uh, Stephen King based series. Oh, okay. so if he's leaving Hulu, or if he's leaving Netflix for Amazon, it's not likely he's going to be doing Stephen King adaptations anymore. That's true. And then also, like, if there's it's anything the that, that is, is, is not going to get a season two. <laughs> yeah, and we're not going to get the Fall of the House of Usher, like Derek said. We're not going to get season two of anything, Hill House or Blight Manor or uh, Midnight Mass. I don't think Midnight Mass needed a second season. They they, they, they ended they, with fucking. There's no characters left. For the that's match. what I mean. Yeah, oh, he yeah, had a definitive ending. <laughs> Did he do that one that just came out with the kids? What was it? Yeah, called? Midnight, Midnight Club. Club. Yeah, that's Midnight him. Yeah, that one's fucking depressing as fuck. And he's did you read? I think he just uh, he just tweeted yesterday that he's pissed off that it's not getting a second season. Uh, apparently, Netflix had promised him at least two seasons of that series, but after the first season finished, they basically just said, "Nah, we, we're not going to do it." And I guess he's really upset, which might be part of the reason why he left Netflix. Honestly. Yeah, it's weird because I read that like Netflix was like, yeah, it was only in top because t- you know how they do like the top tens when you he they're like, oh yeah, it was only in the top ten section for like a few weeks. I'm like, that's not good. Like, uh, I, I I get, I mean, I understand like if if you have a top five show like of all time that it's gonna stay in your top ten for like a month, but I'm like three weeks in the top ten isn't isn't a good thing i i don't know i, I, I don't know how they it's getting real cutthroat out there they, yeah. they, they they never give any shows fucking chances anymore in that fucking program it's always based netflix always bases whether they renew shows on how many new subscriptions they get it doesn't matter how many people watch it current subscribers 
it, it, it's how many new subscribers did this show bring to Netflix? That's why, like, every every time there's a new season of Stranger Things, more people, you know, sign up for Netflix. But with and, – and then when Squid Game Season 2 comes out, forget about it. We're going to get a mass, um, you know, number of new Netflix subscribers because every just about everyone I know is waiting for that, including myself. So, yeah, it, with the Midnight Club, it was popular for a little bit, but it didn't really add any – like, the week that it premiered, it didn't get uh, – Netflix didn't get a lot of new subscribers, so – you know, they're they're not going to give it a, sec- a second season if they're not getting if they're not making more money. It's a sad truth, but yeah. No, Padme. <laughs> That's why I, I'm praying that people are watching Cabinet of Curiosities because I want that. I want the Airmo to get a, at least one or two more seasons because I fucking love that show. My yeah. name is Gimel Totoro. Everybody who's <laughs> talked about it loves it, so I'm like, yep. it better get more. What was your favorite episode? Dreams of the Witch House. The fact that they actually did a Lovecraft, I mean, because the whole series is Lovecraftian. If you watch every episode, there's Lovecraftian elements to almost all. But they actually did two actual Lovecraft stories. And one of them is Dreams in the Witch House, which is actually one of my favorite um, Lovecraft stories. They also did that on season two of Masters of Horror, if you remember. Yep. So... So, yeah, that was probably my favorite one just by default. <laughs> I did love Graveyard Rats, though. I thought that one was really yeah, fun. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. I liked it. <laughs> my my yeah. favorite was, of course, fucking, the, fucking Peter Weller. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Have you watched it yet, Mike? I've only seen a couple episodes, so okay. I need to get through that, too. Yeah, it's well worth it. Well worth getting through that one. That's a yes. good thing. So far, I love it. Like, the quality is just top-notch. Yeah, the only yeah. one I was my least favorite was the first one, because it just ends abruptly. A little bit, yeah, but I mean, it did set a nice tone for the series. Yeah. Well, I still have a few to watch. Oh, nice, okay. Yeah, yeah. But the, I, I think they did really well putting Graveyard Rats as the second episode. Um, I, the I autopsy think... I loved. Yes. Murray Abraham. Great. Exactly. Yeah, I, I liked every episode, honestly, in varying degrees. But yeah. <laughs> what else we got, Mike? Um, I don't know. I mean, have you seen the Megan trailer? Because Dancing Robot Girl is uh, amazing. <laughs> you know, I don't watch trailers, but I did catch a shot of Dancing Megan. Yes, and it looks creepy as shit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it I know a lot of people are saying it looks dumb or stupid or whatever, but I don't know. Something about an automaton dancing just kind of well, strikes me. To me, it the, strikes the, the tone the, of what the child like the Charles Star- play Star- remake. Johansson fucking face on it too. It, it, it kind of feels like the child child's play remake, where it's like an animatronic AI, doll yeah. that's supposed to be like friendly and helpful, and things go awry because it misinterprets what it means to like protect the person. You know, I'm not a real girl. <laughs> that's what I, I mean. That's what I'm going to be comparing it to when I see it. Is that Child's Play remake? Because I actually loved the Child's Play remake. I know. I think I was a little bit higher on it than most people. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I loved the reasoning behind the glitch, um, I, how the glitch kind of evolves throughout the movie. Yeah, I, I, th- that movie worked for me, and it was fucking gory too. You know, I mean, how long has it been since we've gotten a really gory Chucky? I mean, Cult of Cult of Chucky was okay. There was a decapitation in there, but this one was legit, like gory, and I like that. The, the, when, the, yeah, and that Megan movie, it's starting 
or it's releasing the first week of January, so it's like another year where we have something for fresh cuts right off the bat. Oh yeah, Megan Cocaine Beer is definitely going to be a double feature. <laughs> when does Cocaine Beer release? February. Oh yeah, February. White lines. Is it a Valentine's movie? Do we know oh. the exact release date? I think the twenty fourth, right? Ah, uh, too late for Valentine's. R.I.P. Ray Liotta. Oh, I know. When I saw him, because I didn't know ahead of time he was in it, but then when he shows up in the trailer, I was like, oh. I bet he's fucking great in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Angela Lansbury is in the new Knives Out movie, and I got a little sad when I saw that. Because that's probably her oh, last shit. role. It's, it's been, I've, been, uh, I've been sad a lot lately. These All my childhood heroes are dying. Yeah, that's what aging is all about, man, is watching all these. Every time I watch, like, a new, um, you know, the roasts, the Comedy Central roasts, I, I tend to go back and watch them because I find them funny as shit. And yeah. every time I go back and watch them, there's more and more dead people <laughs> on the episode. Yeah, um, they're not even, like, it's a fucked up thing. Half of them are not even fucking old when they die. It's like, no, no. I mean, Greg Gerardo and uh, Earthquake, Eric- Patrice. Yeah. I mean, all these comedians that are in, like, their 30s and 40s and shit. It's too bad. Oh, man. You know what movie I should have brought up for one of my three was, uh, have have either of you guys seen on Amazon Prime the South Korean serial killer movie Midnight? I've heard no, of I've been that die, I want, I've been wanting to watch it, though, yeah. It's really good. I mean, the, the characters in it, the... Just, oh, man, everything about it, it's... Like, I would caution people, because, like, I feel like when it comes to serial killer movies like that, everyone's going to, like, think, oh, I saw the devil. It's not like, it's not like a brutal gore, freaking, like, extreme movie like that. Like, it doesn't take it to those lengths, but just the story and the characters. And, like, there is gore. It's like a John Buhon movie. Nice. Yeah, there is blood and gore and, like, some vicious, like, attacks in it, but... It it's just a different beast, but it's really good. I I highly recommend it. I, that's what I should have featured because it's a movie I really and like. You, and you know what? Me and Venom should have featured the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, right? Venom? <laughs> hey, I absolutely loved it, but I don't know that it fits our format here. <laughs> hey, hey, it's it's the, on the, Disney Plus. Yeah, yeah it's on Disney Plus. It's only forty five minutes long, but. The thing is, one of the things I like about that, and I'm sorry to go off on a tangent, but I'm gonna. One of the things I like about this Christmas special is that it's canon. There's actual like story advancement in it that has that's going to have implications in the rest of the MCU. Yeah. How often do you see that with a Christmas special? Christmas specials are usually one off, and you know nothing that happens in it really affects the future. But this one has legitimate. Like it's got it's got backstories that we didn't know about. And then the revelation at the end, which I obviously am not going to talk about here, was, I mean, legitimately tear jerking. Like I, I, I almost shed a tear at that ending. I thought oh, I it was did. so fucking good. And, and the fact that they that that's part of the storyline moving forward now that, you know, they literally changed the arc. It's not a status quo episode. In other words, you know, a lot of Christmas specials are just status quo. This one, there's legit shit that happens, and I love that. Yeah, and I love that, like, uh, there's even, like, a callback to his fucking first movie, Slither. 
He yep. actually got the band, the old 97s, to play the alien band in the move show. Which, it was great. which that song was fucking hysterical. That yeah. was awesome. What, what would a, Mike, uh, you, you got to ask yourself, what would a Christmas song sound like from a band who doesn't know what Christmas is about? And you get your answer in this in this episode, and it's fucking brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like I said, if you Mike is not a big MCU watcher, so if you haven't seen the Guardians of the Galaxy's movies, you're, you'll probably be a little lost. Just watching. No, I know Venom special. loved the Jason reference. Oh, are you kidding? <laughs> I, I I think I soiled my pants. <laughs> But, and, and Kevin Bacon, holy shit. Like, I thought they were going to go with David Hasselhoff because, you know, Chris Pratt uh, or Star-Lord has brought up David Hasselhoff multiple times in the series. But they bust out Kevin Bacon. That was just uh, – that, that was way more awesome than it should have been. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Um <laughs> I think that's really all I got for like any type of news stuff, unless you guys got some more. Uh, I haven't really been catching, re- you know, I've just been busy with work, so I haven't really been. News is news. This is 4K of Marathon Man coming up? Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's it. December is always kind of light on horror news. You know, we we re- we rarely get like big announcements or anything right yeah. around the holidays. So. Yeah, it, it kind of tracks. <laughs> Yep. Uh, I don't know. Do we even have like anything for like a burning question? Well, the original any... the original was supposed to be top ten Thanksgiving <laughs> that list of fifth Thanksgiving films. <laughs> but we're, it's dick, no longer I, a no, November episode. Uh, uh, me thinking of my dick ruined that moment. <laughs> hey, man, we're men. We yeah. tend we tend to think with our dick, so there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> as long as you got to use your dick, then all is well. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that, that list will be great for next Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, save it. <laughs> what do we do? Talk about Christmas movies? I mean, I, I feel like every horror podcast has probably done that already. Talk about Fulci? Yeah, I'd rather talk Let's about Let's talk Fulci. about books that take place in October. <laughs> Might as well, yeah, shit. <laughs> All right, then. Well, I guess with that, then, I guess we'll take our break and come back with a couple of Derek's picks, which Derek... What were your picks? So I decided, you know, I wanted to talk about some Fulci. It's been a while. So uh, I I wanted to talk about City of Living Den. I was thinking of a movie to pair it up with. And yeah, Cemetery Terror, Mexican horror. You know, we got something from Italy. We got something from Mexico. It's an international episode. Yeah. You know, (laughs) and... I think they do pair well together. It was actually a pretty good double feature. They actually do. I'll I'll get into why I feel like these uh, were a good pairing. But, yeah, I agree with Derek. These actually were pretty good. I watched them both today. One is a first-time watch. I think you know which one. The other one is obviously an an all-time classic. So, But we'll get into it here in a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Cool. All right. Well, we'll be right back with City of the Living Dead and Cemetery of Terror. I'll be right back. 
living dead. A cursed city where the gates of hell have been opened. You've got to. You must reclose those gates. We interrupt this program to bring you a special broadcast in which police authorities have declared a state of emergency. Effective immediately. Saints Day. A demanding, implacable enemy whose search for blood is never satiated. de sus poderes sobrenaturales. Nadie creyó en su pacto satánico. Hasta que en una noche de luna llena, un grupo de jóvenes penetró en el mundo del más allá. En el mundo del terror. Ustedes conocen muchas cosas de la vida de Devlon. ¿Cómo qué? ¿Como las misas negras? ¿Como sus rezos a Satanás? ¡Lena! ¡Lena! Nadie antes había vivido una experiencia tan aterradora. 
Buenfil, Uzi Velasco, María Rebeca, Edna Volcan, Servando Mancetti, Eduardo Capetillo, René Cardona III, Andrés García Jr., Jacqueline Castro. Yum, yum. It's time for a tasty and refreshing snack. to satisfy your hunger, your thirst, your sweet tooth. So visit our refreshment center now. Let's go! And now, on with the show. And we are back, everybody. And we're going to start this evening of reviews off with a film from 1980 directed by the man, the myth, the legend, the Mr. Lucio Fulci. Uh, City of the Living Dead, a.k.a. The Gates of Hell. His first of his Gates of Hell trilogy. Uh, uh, you're not going to say the Italian title? <laughs> paura, paura nella cita del morte viventi. <laughs> oh. I know Italian. <laughs> well, I'm going to definitely have you say the title, the Spanish title of the other movie. Oh, guaranteed. <laughs> but, yeah, uh... City of the Living Dead, uh, where do I start? Let's talk, uh, a reporter and a psychic race to close the gates of hell after a suicide of a clergyman caused them to open, allowing the dead to rise from their graves. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, uh, this movie has a very interesting cast, too. We got, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Christopher George. <laughs> Last time I seen him, he bazookaed a grizzly. <laughs> and it was awesome. Then we got, uh, of course, uh, the main star of all three of the Gates of Hell trilogy, Katarina McCall. 
legendary for these movies. We got a a small role from a guy who goes through a lot of torture in Italian horror movies, Giovanni Lavano or DC as Bob. <laughs> Poor Bob. <laughs> yeah, he like in uh, I think the same year he a year later he got his dick cut off in Furock, Cannibal Furox. Oh god. We got a little cameo by Michele Suave as the Tommy, the boyfriend of the girl in the Jeep that likes to throw <laughs> guts. Yeah, we got a bunch of people in this. Uh, Danella Adora, who's also in uh, House by the Cemetery, who also is kind of, I know her from Ar- Dario Argento's Phenomena mm-hmm. as uh, one of the teachers of that movie. <laughs> It's a terrible school in that movie. Worst school ever. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, let's start on general thoughts and your history with this movie. Let's start with Mike. All right. So, my earliest experience with City of the Living Dead is, uh, I think it was like a random rental um, it's not the first Fulci movie I've seen. I think that would be Zombie because Zombie, Zombie Two, whatever people refer to it as, that that used to be like the one Fulci movie that was like always in like the normie VHS sections. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of the people that rented were people like me that didn't really know Fulci by name. It was just oh look at this cool looking rotted zombie on the cover. Um, now I. It's interesting because I've grown to love Gates of Hell or City of the Living Dead over the years, but I do think it's um, it's a more difficult entry point for Fulci because I think a lot of people, when they think of zombie movies, they think of them in the context of like the, the zombie apocalypse narrative, which zombie kind of follows, because people really say, well, that's like Fulci's version of, of Romero, zombie apocalypse, kind of. Um, but Gates of Hell is really its own freaking corner of the zombie subgenre because it's more than just zombies, really. It's like there's some uh, almost like possession. There's magic or black magic or some type of like witchcrafty-ish. Like it, it's hard to even nail down exactly what's going on 100% of the time, and that's part of why it's I It's very like it Lovecraftian. Lovecraftian, yeah, yeah. It's very much its own thing. It's it's hard to really compare to anything. And I think because there's zombies in it, that it gets thrown around as like a zombie movie. And I, I, th- I think you can justify calling it like a just a zombie movie. But I feel like there's so much more to it. Uh, the gore is top notch. I mean, you pretty much come to expect that from Fulci in in any movie he makes. Um, I, I actually, I actually like the story. I, I like how uh, it's explained that like why everything's happening that is happening, and um, just to wrap up general thoughts really quick on it, you, no one can forget the uh, magical missing sort of ending to it, right? Like the 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 legend of the story of like the missing reel or whatever that leads to kind of that abrupt ending. The but it's a movie I highly, yeah. yeah, it's a movie I highly recommend. Um, I, I do think, like, uh, for someone with no context of Fulci, maybe on a first watch, they'd be perplexed, like, hey, this is breaking all the rules of, like, what I think of as a zombie movie, but it's because it's not. 
what you think of as a zombie movie. And once you once you get through that first watch and realize that, and then go into it thinking, just realizing, hey, this is its own thing with its own kind of lore to it. Uh, I think the the enjoyment goes way up on um, uh, on multiple watches. Yeah, I agree. Phantom. I had an interesting history with the Gates of Hell trilogy. I actually saw them backwards. Um, I just, because of the way that my video store would get, you know, movies in from overseas, I ended up watching House by the Cemetery first and then going back to this film. So this is the last of the trilogy that I actually saw. And this is an absolute classic. I love this movie. I steadfastly say this is not a zombie movie. Yes, there are people rising from the grave, but the last time I checked, zombies can't disappear and reappear at will. They don't have telekinesis, and they don't have superhuman strength, generally. Um, I look at this movie as demons. I look at it as these are demons. Uh, they are possessed people, dead bodies that are you know, coming back because of this priest and you know, him opening the gates of hell. And because I look at it that way, I end up getting a little bit more enjoyment out of it. Like Mike says, this isn't just a zombie movie because there's so much going on here um, with the great story, the great kills. I mean, yeah, the girl uh, puking up her insides I, I is like a all-time kill for me. I absolutely makes love Makes you hungry, scene. doesn't it? Uh, a little bit, actually. It makes me want barbecue, absolutely. But yeah, uh, th- I mean, what can I say about this movie? I absolutely adore it. May not be my favorite of the trilogy by any stretch, but uh, just a wonderful movie. Great performances. I love the way the movie, how the story kind of starts with this woman supposedly dying during her seance, but then kind of coming back a couple of days later after after somehow she was put in a coffin and didn't get embalmed. But, you know, we'll 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 suspend disbelief for a little bit. But uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely, I love this movie. I love the story. It's a quick watch. It's a solid 90 minutes. Pacing is great. Score, of course, it's Fulci. It's a spectacular mm-hmm. score. Um, great performances. You know, uh, Mary Woodhouse, you know, as, 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 Don, as Derek said, you know, the, the woman who is the common denominator for all three of these movies. Um, and she has a great performance in all three of them. So, yeah, I mean, I can't add much more to this conversation that hasn't already been said for decades. It's a, it's a beautiful movie, a great way to start, you know, his Gates of Hell trilogy. And the nice thing about this trilogy is, like, you don't have to really watch them in order by any stretch. Yeah. You know, it's not like a traditional trilogy. It's more just three movies that Fulci made about the Gates of Hell or about the Gates of Hell opening. So I like that. It, it, it's kind of like Polanski's Apartment Trilogy. You don't necessarily have to watch them in order because they're not they're not technically connected. But yeah, yeah. Uh, beautiful, beautiful movie. Like I said, beautiful kills. I love that 70s style blood that we still get here. This is 1980, I know, but, you know, we still got that beautiful bright red 70s blood that I absolutely adore. And, you know, what can I say about the director? Writer-director Lucio Fulci, um, easily my favorite Italian director. I, I actually, the first time that I appeared on 22 Shots during Italian Horror Month, and they ask every single guest that they have on, do you prefer Fulci or Argento? I literally snapped Fulci. And they were shocked because no one has ever given an answer that quick. Everybody kind of ums and ahs and, you know, kind of goes back and forth. But for me, I am a Fulci guy. 
despite the fact that Suspiria is in my top 10 horror of all time, I fucking adore that movie. Um, overall, over the course of an entire filmography, it's Fulci for me. And this is just a prime example of what makes this man an absolute master of horror. So, yeah, spectacular movie. I, I've watched it every couple of years since probably 86 or 87, the first time I saw it. And, yeah, absolutely love it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I dig this movie a lot. Like The first time I watched it, I'll admit, though, there's a lot of shit that I missed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which, you know, you get with... Which is weird, because that's usually House by the Cemetery, and that's, like, the most straightforward of the movies that yep. people <laughs> say. That, you know, but... uh yeah, I you know like I, I don't know if they were zombies or demons. But I I kind of like your theory that they're demons. It makes more sense, especially with the mm-hmm. way their eyes are demonic looking. Yeah, and you know, and they have super. They love to rip brains out of people's heads. Holy you know? shit! I actually yeah. have that in my notes. That's got to be full cheese, like go to kill in 1980. We see it three times in this movie. God damn! <laughs> and mind yeah. you, I'm not complaining. It's a great effect. It actually is. And one of the, yeah, the first like, time, uh, yeah, like squeezing the brain out of the head or ripping it out, just do that. The priest guy in this, it's he's so creepy. Like every time he shows up, it's just creepy. When when they're in the when they're in our car and they shine the headlights and it shows him kind of hung up on the noose and then he disappears, yeah. and then he like reappears, just kind of staring, doing like the almost like the Jedi mind trick of guts exiting out your mouth yeah. trick. <laughs> I'm like. It's just, um, it's so good. And I feel like for, like, for folks that are mostly uh, used to, like, American horror, like, Fulci, he just kind of takes it to another level with, like, the viciousness. And, like, like Venom, you mentioned the score. There's a very aggressive nature to the way Fulci makes these types of movies. And I I just love it because it's just such a change up from what you're used to. Yeah, and hell, even, like, the... If you haven't noticed, like the main theme of this movie is technically, legitimately, just a remix version of the zombie theme, mm-hmm. which is awesome. <laughs> you know, I'll take that theme any day because I just love the Fabio Frizzy scores in general. <laughs> like, knocks it out of the park each time, especially with his work with Fulci. And uh, the scene that gives me the most tension in this movie is the scene where Katarina McCall's in the coffin. Oh, Christopher oh. Joy George just takes this pickaxe and <laughs> <laughs> almost kills her. <laughs> yeah, and, you know it's kind of it actually funny because it actually comes full circle because the last of the Gates of Hell trilogy has a similar scene with Bob where he's pressed against the door and his dad's wielding an axe trying to break the door down. It's a very similar technique, so I like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it kind of and even having a character named Bob and he both the movies that. Oh, bookend the trilogy which is very interesting in that aspect but uh yeah you know uh interesting little fact about this movie Fulci did not get along with Christopher George at all <laughs> during the production you know they 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 fought a lot during the movie from interviews I heard with Katarina McCall because you know he always just lit his fucking cigars, which unfortunately for him, that's kind of how his career ended in his life because he got throat cancer from smoking all those fucking cigars and all his movies. But, uh, 
Yeah, you know, it's just interesting that, you know, it makes sense why his character ends the way it does. But it's kind of shocking on a first-time watch for somebody because he's kind of like the main, like, he's the first name in the villain. Yeah. And, you know, we follow him throughout most of the movie, and bam, he's dead. Yeah, it definitely has that Walking Dead uh, sensibility to it, that no one is safe. Even the star isn't safe, because... I mean, I, I 100% agree. The first time I watched this, I was shocked that he got taken out that early. Not early, but that, you know, the fact that he didn't make it to the end, even though he's our basic, you know, he's our main protagonist, was a little bit of a shock at the time. You know, it's definitely something we weren't used to yet back then. So, Yeah, yeah. It, it, it says a lot when, like, you're used to certain conventional wisdoms, even in your horror movies, and then, like, a new door gets opened. I guess pun intended, like a, a door <laughs> to hell. But uh, um, when you see something like this, that kind of is formatted different. Um, there's a lot kind of more going on. And it's not that it's like a super deep movie, but just different attributes of the demon zombie creatures than what you're used to seeing. It it can be jarring on a first time watch because you you in your head, you think there's like, OK, this is a st- if I see zombies walking around or what i think are zombies i know the established established rules in my head what what they should act like but then you throw on like a fulci movie and it's like wait a minute these are totally different yeah one one thing that i've always kind of dug about most italian zombie films is that they're not flesh eaters you know very rarely do we see them actually go after someone and actually like you know take chunks out of them these that's why I, I tend not to call these zombies. I tend to call them demons because it doesn't seem like they're, you know, they, they seem way more intelligent than your average zombie. So the, the mere fact that they have their mental hell, capacities. Hell, hell, they could be fucking centipedes for all we fucking know. That's true. Absolutely. They, they come out of walls like fucking. <laughs> right. And to kind of they, speak. They, of, they, are you saying it could be the gates of Hellraiser? Oh, stop it. <laughs> You know Clyde Bonker is probably a fan of this movie. <laughs> Guaranteed. Absolute guarantee. But one of the th- another thing I like about this movie is that even the scenes that aren't necessarily horror, quote-unquote, are still incredibly creepy. The opening credit sequence, just showing the priest walking around a cemetery. Yeah. I mean, great opening sequence. Beautiful music. Very, It, it sets a, a creepy tone throughout, the, you know, for the rest of the movie. Obviously, you know, once we see what the priest does at the end of the opening scene, um, it, it changes the context of that a little bit. Oh. But I just thought... You know, watching it this time, I just, the opening credit sequence was just so beautifully made. You know, um, I, I just I, I wanted to point that out because I was really impressed with it. You know, the, a, a scene of just a priest walking can be legit creepy in the middle of the day, too. Not like at night, like straight up middle of the day walking around a cemetery. And it's still because of the score, because of the way it's shot. It's still effective. So yeah. that, one of the things I love about Fulci. Yeah, I like that this movie like got into like that small town perspective of the townspeople too, yep. which uh, actually the only uh, another movie from 1980 did as well was John Carpenter's The Fog. Yep. Where you kind of, which you know kind of similar, you know they both have fucking fog and atmosphere in them for sure, <laughs> and uh, on the ghosts, those are ghosts in that movie, so they're not mm-hmm. even zombies in that, but uh. Yeah, you know, I like that aspect that we, we don't get with a lot of the, like these type of movies from this era where you get, like, 
to know the characters before and, you, and when characters that you do get to know in like normal conversations when they go it hits hard more you know yeah. in that aspect especially like carlo's character because he's like a psychiatrist and like some of his patients are seeing shit too like katarina is mm-hmm. the the fucking funniest scene of the movie though is the scene with the cops and they're just questioning everybody and it's funny that everyone else in the seance has like a rap sheet oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. My favorite, probably my favorite scene in this movie, and I had actually forgotten about it completely, because um, I haven't watched this movie in at least three or four years, is the fucking maggot attack. That scene is fucking awesome, because the, when the window blows open, at first it looks like snow. It looks like a, a snow machine blowing well, the window. they're shooting rice at them or something. Exactly, but then when the camera closes up, they're fucking maggots everywhere. I yeah. uh, I appreciate that scene so much. <laughs> yeah, they definitely uh, spent some budget on, on oh, maggot shit. volume. Yeah, and there's this random maggot baby in the middle of a corner that bought Oh, right, the of. rotting baby. Yeah, that was cool. But yeah. And the, 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 these maggots, man, these are like the loudest maggots in the world. Because once the attack, the initial attack is over, and they're all just standing there in the sea of maggots, all you hear is squirming and shit. And it's, it just adds to the creepy element of this scene. I, I loved it, yeah. It's pretty great. Fucking, <laughs> the priest looks like William Freakin. A little bit, yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, fucking... Uh, yeah, two, the two scenes that I know this movie's mostly scenes that I've talked about with this movie is definitely the girl throwing up her guts mm-hmm. and Bob's death scene, which is oh. fucked up because it's not even by a zombie. No, no, that's... See, those are the kind of kills that are the hardest for me to take because it's like in the middle of this zombie slash demon you know attack that's going on in this town here's this one douchebag who just who accuses the wrong bob, place. yeah who just accuses bob of something that he didn't do now i understand bob has a record he's got a history you know he i guess he previously abducted someone for like a short time and then got caught whatever so i understand that he would be a suspect but these i mean that one the guy who actually kills him to actually bust out with you know, and the funny thing is, is that when he caught Bob with his daughter, they were very clearly just talking. Bob wasn't attacking her. He wasn't tying her up. He wasn't doing anything nefarious whatsoever. But this guy just instantly becomes judge, jury and executioner. And it's it's legitimately one of the saddest scenes in the movie, because, you know, Bob may not be a classic character that goes down in the annals of horror, but he's a very sympathetic one, you know, very much like um the, the killer in uh, Dark Knight of the Scarecrow, you know, just another someone else getting accused of a crime they didn't commit. And at least they get to come back and, and exact a little bit of a revenge, just like Bob does. So, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll give him credit for that, for giving us that little piece of satisfaction of seeing Bob get his revenge. Well, demon Bob, I guess. <laughs> yeah. The, and plus the whole end of this movie is just fucking badass. And the zombies actually do come out of the crypts. Yep. And then, you know, Fucking the main Carlo just fucking impales the priest to save Katarina's life because he's starting to do the thing that makes guts throw up. 
Yeah, exactly. Staring at her. <laughs> yeah, and it's a great shot too, like the freeze burning because it's Katarina with like the blood tears and shit. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. The scenery of this movie is like it's iconic. It's like every Fulci movie. There's like iconic imagery throughout it. And yeah, he does gothic. Right? He knows how to do gothic horror. I love it. And, and yeah. set in modern time too. Like it's not like his shit has to be set in the 1700s for it to be very clearly gothic. Yeah. I mean, um, but th- that's going to be the one complaint I've always had about the movie is that the priest kind of goes down a little too easy. Like yeah. Literally, they stab him, and he and he bursts into flames, and then it's easy cleanup too, because uh, literally it just leaves a little pile of dust when he's done. I'm like, you know, easy cleanup ghoul, you know, available at Target or whatever. But yeah, or, I just or is it? <laughs> but that's what I mean. Yeah, that's that. That would be the only complaint I would have about this movie is that with with all the setup that we have about how badass these demons are, I just felt like he kind of went down a little easy. But it's a minor complaint at best. So. Yeah, and you know the that scene with the final rail. Uh, yeah, how do you guys feel about like the exact like the end and ending of this movie? Well, I've I've always kind of said I'm not a fan of when horror movies try to set up a sequel, and that's kind of what that ending kind of felt like. <laughs> felt like they were trying to set up you know a sequel or a trilogy of some kind. It's like, I I like when movies have definitive endings. Like, you can still have a sequel to a movie that had a definitive ending, you know? Um, But to actually try to give us that late jump scare and, you know, basically showing us that, oh, well, they're not out of it. You know, they didn't actually save the day. They, They, you know, they saved themselves for that day. But obviously, it's still happening, you know, once you get that extra scene there at the end. So... Yeah, Michael tell you. I'm I'm not the biggest fan of movies that try to set up sequels with their final scene. But it, it, again, another just minor minor gripe, you know, nothing uh, that would affect the rating of this film. Yeah, it's it's kind of a shame because if, like Mike was saying because there actually was footage of what actually happened but it got lost. Oh. And that's why they do that thing with the mirror breaking, which weirdly enough <laughs> there's a movie that homages that and it's like <laughs> I'm like it even has like a scene where, like where it says for Lucio and that's fucking William Lustig's Uncle Sam oh that's right I forgot <laughs> and yeah it actually homages the very ending of City of the Living Dead with the mirror cracks of the screen and it says for Lucio mm-hmm. and you're like oh boy sorry Lucio that your name's on this movie <laughs> oh well. You're in a movie with Chef. Ha! <laughs> uh, but yeah, I dig it. It's a great movie. I do recommend it a lot. Currently on oh, Shutter yeah. too. All, yeah, all three of the uh, Gates of Hell trilogy are on Shutter. So by all means, check them out. Hell yeah! Guys, ready to get into some Mexico's? Oh, I love it. I'm ready for a taco. Oh, yeah. So we're going to jump five years into the future of 1985. 1985? i got to get back, Doc. Okay, Marty. But anyways. Great Scott. Yeah, from a film from Mexico. Venom, say the Mexican title of this movie. Oh, shit. Uh, hold on. I am, I'm totally, totally not prepared. Okay. 
not that one, not that one, not that one, that one. Is the title a straight, is it a straight translation or is it kind of different? Oh, it's actually, it's a straight translation. Yeah, Cementerio del Terror. Cementerio del Terror. Cemetery of Terror. Cemetery of Terror. Just the way I'd say it. Of course you would. Uh, The first film directed by Ruben Galindo. Did I say that right? Uh, Galindo, yep. Galindo Jr., who would also direct uh, kind of like a subgenre of like supernatural slasher slash other types of movies mixed in uh, with them. Like Cemetery of Terror definitely has slasher elements. Uh, with a few other elements with anyone we'll get into in a minute, but he also did Don't Panic, which is like a Mexican version of Nightmare on Elm Street. Yep. Yeah, and uh, he Great also did. Reaction. Yeah, and he also did The Grave Robbers from '92, which is also pretty fun, you know. And uh, yeah, I haven't seen. Yeah, check it out. It's good stuff. It can, and. Uh, yeah, a little uh, plot synopsis on this. On Halloween, a group of medical students steal the corpse of a serial killer from a morgue and raise him from the dead, inadvertently putting themselves and a group of young neighborhood children in danger. <laughs> uh, yeah, this movie stars a lot of Mexican people. The only name that I actually know is the main star of the movie, who is Hugo Stiklis. <laughs> who I know uh, from Umberto's Lindsay's Nightmare City. He's the main actor in that movie. And uh, probably most famously known, Quentin Tarantino actually named a character in Glorious Bastards after Hugo Sticklix. Uh <laughs> Yeah, you, everyone knows Hugo Sticklitz, the German guy who defected and started killing all the Germans. <laughs> which is pretty fucking awesome because you know uh he's yeah i've seen a few other movies he's been in like uh tinatera which is a killer shark movie <laughs> and uh what else was he in? uh actually another movie that involved shark cyclone which is about like people stranded on a boat in the middle of the ocean and they're surrounded by <laughs> sharks you know nice. which was interesting yeah, it's it, that one's all right. It's kind of a little too long. Uh, and your, your wife would hate one scene in that movie, Venom. Oh yeah, I can uh, tell. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, pretty much. Hugo Stickless plays uh, Doctor Loomis in this movie. If he was in the middle of Scarface with his outfit. <laughs> but uh, yeah. And it's about, like, this fucking guy that's, like, Michael Myers pretty much uses beer claws. That's his finishing move, the beer claw. Like, he's fucking <laughs> saber tooth from X-Men. Oh, shit. <laughs> and, you know, he gets wasted, and these stupid kids decide, to, let's party. It's Halloween. Let's go steal a body. You know, and luckily, they don't last too long. <laughs> Thank God. So, then we get, like, the climax of the movie with the kids. Which, you know, at least I'll give the kids this much credit. They don't drop any weapons on purpose in this movie. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but, uh, yeah, and then it turns into a fucking zombie movie. I don't know. And it's fucking mm-hmm. pretty atmospheric. I like, you know, it, for the budget of this movie, it, this movie does progress with, like, a, a kind of a cool atmosphere to it. 
especially with like the fog and shit and the setting of the movie. And you know, you know, it borrows from a lot, a lot of things too. Like I saw a little bit of Evil Dead in this fucking how, City of the Living Dead, Halloween, of course. You know, and you know, I I dig that about it at the same time where I think a lot of other viewers might be like, oh, yeah, this movie just borrows from this movie. But, you know, movie's been doing that for years, so, you know, I'm I'm never like that type of reviewer anyways. Like I said with Smile earlier, it's fucking It Follows, but with a fucking different <laughs> subject matter, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to start with Venom. This is a first-time watch review. Yeah, yeah, this is the part where I uh, break Derek's heart, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, this was a first-time watch, and it will more than likely be a last-time watch. Um, this movie isn't bad. It's legitimately not. But I had I had some problems with the story right from the start. I feel like Devlin was such a compelling character, yet we got we didn't get a lot of his backstory, and that bothered me. Like, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of him when he was still alive, like before the police took him out. Um, I, I know that we that Dr. Candon or Cardin, excuse me, does give us a little bit of his backstory, you know, Satan worshiper, blah, blah, blah. But I would have liked to have seen a little bit more because, uh, like Derek said, he's ridiculously strong, even in life, even before he's killed. He like Derek said, he's basically saber tooth. He just goes around just slashing people with his hands. And that kind of, unfortunately to me, that kind of makes him a boring killer. Like, I mean, you know, there's there's cinematic killers like Jason and Michael that are very strong and could easily kill everybody with their bare hands if they wanted to, but they still, you know, use a weapon for flair, you know, every now and then. And that, I, I feel like this killer kind of needed that. Uh, at the very least, if he is going to kill everybody with his bare hands, do something different. You know, crush somebody's head, tear their head off, pull out their intestines, something. All this guy really does is he just swipes at people, cuts them up in the face, and then he basically just starts jamming his open hand into their midsections, basically just tearing them open. And I just started to get kind of bored with that by the end of the movie. It's like, come on, kill somebody a different way. Um, I did like that he looked like Discount George Eastman, so I did get some Anthropophagus and... um, Absurd. Yeah, and absurd vibes, definitely. Um, I actually thought it was George Eastman at first. I had to open up IMDb because I was so It looks like if George Eastman and James Brolin had a baby. Thank you. Yes, exactly. Um, But yeah, uh, (laughs) you know, I didn't hate this movie. I don't want to make it sound like it's, it's a bad movie. It's just the lack of backstory. And then I had the same problem with this one that I had with the last movie, as far as its ending goes, like it's ending just feels too convenient for me. And then when you get the final, final scene right before the credits starts, it, it kind of nullifies the whole third act of the film. It, it, it feels like everything that the kids and, uh, and Cardin did is basically just nullified because the book didn't burn all the way. And it's like, well, shit, that's a terrible way to end it. Like, again, I understand that horror movies nine times out of ten are going to have that style of ending where, you know, the horror isn't over and potentially there could be a sequel. But And I've already kind of talked about how much that really doesn't make me happy all that much. I like to see a a story. I want to see a story beginning, middle, and end. And you can still give us a sequel later on. We've seen it done many times. I mean, 
you know, the original Matrix was a solid movie. We got a beginning, middle, and end. And even though we got two more movies, or well, three more movies technically after it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't affect the fact that the first movie was a solid, enclosed story. Um, so yeah, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more backstory on this one. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of Devlin while he was still alive and a, a serial killer. Like, you know, how did this guy get away from the cops for so long? Because it doesn't even seem like he's trying to hide. Like, he doesn't run. You know, he's very Jason Voorhees in the sense that he doesn't run. He doesn't even try to avoid the authorities. He basically is just a force of nature. You know, he just walks through everything that's in front of him. And I, and that part of it, I appreciate. But like I said, um, I, I just would have liked to have seen a little bit deeper story here. And I definitely would have liked to have seen some, like, um, actual zombie kills, because actually, once the zombies start coming out of the ground, there are no more kills. Uh, basically, that's it for kills the rest of the movie. Yeah. Because obviously, our original six teenagers, you know, they're the ones, you know, they're they're the guilty pleasure kills of the movie. Um, because these are some of the shittiest male characters, man. These these guys are, and not just the ones in that original group. Even the older kid in the group, when he was making fun of his sister, not wanting to be alone at Halloween. I'm like, why is every guy in this movie a douchebag? God damn it. No one knows how to treat a woman in this movie. And uh, again, it's 1985. It's a trope. You know, <laughs> excuse me. You know, the trope of the boyfriend being cynical and not believing everything that his girl says, blah, 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 making fun of her. Oh, are you scared? You know, it just, yeah, it's kind of old. I think if I would have seen this movie in 85, I would have been a lot more forgiving of it. Obviously, I would have been younger. And it wouldn't have had the the pedigree of uh, horror watches that I have now. But seeing it now, I can see why people like it. I, I didn't hate it, like I said. I just don't see myself revisiting it, you know? It's an okay movie that could have been a lot better, in my opinion. Yeah, the main problem with it is it's just copying American horror stereotypes from that time period. And it's doing it kind of lazily, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's valid. Absolutely. Yeah. Mike, what about you, man? Was this a first-time watch for you? All right, so this was also a first-time watch for me, and um, I'm going to pick up the pieces of your heart that Venom broke and sew them back together and say I actually enjoyed the movie quite a bit. Um, I I don't really disagree with a lot that's been said. Like, I I, I definitely see where it's a... Yeah, I don't disagree at all either, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a patchwork piece of a lot of other zombie or horror movies that came out at the time, but that's kind of what made me enjoy it a lot. It's like familiar, but also kind of new. Um, I, I liked the elements. I really liked the set uh, decoration of the cemetery. Uh-huh. Um, it, it just looked like all dingy, and it, it, it made like it, it, a very scary and creepy setting. Um, I don't mind that we didn't get too deep with the characters in this one. Uh, I, I liked, I also agree with them. I, I did for a second was thinking like, is that George Eastman or did Eastman have some, some siblings because he looks very, <laughs> that Dave Parker? very similar. <laughs> Dave Parker. <yeah. laughs> Dave Parker's uncle or something. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I like how it kind of switched from, cause like, when you read the description, you're expecting like all these zombies, and then for like a while, it's just uh, the one kind of repossessed, or uh, I guess you'd say repossessed. I guess uh, the guy. 
James. Yeah. The, <laughs> it, and then, yeah, what, halfway or three-quarters to the movie, then we start getting the, the army of zombies, and I kind of liked um, their look. And, um, I again, like, it's a little bit a different flavor of... It's like you had the tropes of American horror, but... The, the looks uh, were still a little different and unique. Um, I, I like teenagers being teenagers. That's what they did, right? In these types of movies where it's like when when the two couples are trying to get it on and, of course, the women are like, I heard a noise. Especially check it out. All the movies had despicable men, and like even Teen Wolf. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah the, fact, the fact that these guys didn't understand why the girls were mad after they lied about the entire <laughs> evening just blows my fucking mind. Really? You don't understand why they're mad? What the fuck? <laughs> They'll get over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then one thing that I, I did kind of forget to say in my general thoughts that's probably going to make me a, an enemy here and there, but uh, these are some of the worst, most ineffective zombies I've ever seen. These zombies don't kill anyone in this movie. Literally, no one dies by the hands of a reanimated dead person other than Devlin, our main antagonist. Multiple times throughout the movie, these zombies actually have kids in their hands. Like, they actually grab them, lift them off the ground, and then somehow the kids still get away. Like, these are... This is part of the reason... Like, I gave my reasons earlier why I don't think our first movie was a zombie movie... I'm going to say the same thing about this one, but for a different reason. Not because I think these things are demons, but because they're so fucking ineffective. They're decorations. They're literally decorations throughout this movie. Now, granted, they're good-looking decorations. Absolutely. I, I agree with Mike. I do like the design of these zombies. There is plenty of atmosphere during the cemetery scenes and the scenes in the abandoned house. Like The set design is great. Creature effects are pretty cool. Uh, but like I said, the fact that these zombies don't kill anyone is just ever so slightly disappointing to me. Just a little. <laughs> eh. But they didn't expect the zombie, the guy who killed a bunch of zombies from Nightmare City to come and hit him with their car either. That's valid too, yep. Hugo Stickless <laughs> is like, he knew all along, like, he carried a fucking crucifix with him. He just pulls out this giant crucifix at the end of the movie <laughs> out of his Scarface Miami shirt. Like, and one of the other scenes I was really laughing at was when the tree fell on him. Uh, excuse me, let me correct myself. When the branch the, fell the, on him. Oh! The thinnest fucking tree I've ever seen that somehow is able to hold down a fully grown human being. I, I'm literally looking at him like, dude, you could lift that with one arm. And he's just like, I can't get it. Kids, run. Just run. Leave me alone. It's like, are you kidding me? That thing, that doesn't even look like it. It didn't qualify as a tree. It was a sapling. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's so fucking funny. <laughs> oh, for entertainment value, it's yeah. on point. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But, you know, if you're trying to make a serious horror movie and you expect me to believe that that tree can hold down a full grown human, yeah, you got to try harder. <laughs> Good times. Yeah, it's a, it's a this is definitely a movie you got to watch for some beers and <laughs> some you, you definitely fucking I, I totally agree. Like, if I would have watched this inebriated in some way, shape, or form, I absolutely would have found it fun. Problem is, since it was a first-time watch, I try not to imbibe anything on a first-time watch so that I can really give it a good review. And maybe that was the mistake I made. Maybe I should have had a few beers. Maybe I should have watched it with my wife. We maybe, we time did these, maybe we should have done these in Halloween like we were supposed to. 
Well, yeah, there's that, but we can't, <laughs> can't go back in time, unfortunately. But yeah. I, I mean, I'm still okay having watched it. You know, it, it's another movie under my belt. Uh, I will absolutely take it. I didn't, you know, as I've already said a few times, I didn't hate the movie. I absolutely didn't hate the movie. But I just saw so many areas of the film that could have been improved that it kind of soured me a little bit by the time we got to the end. Yeah, it, it kind of felt like like a directed video movie in a few ways, which mm-hmm. I kind of knew what I was getting myself into, too, with this one before actually when I first seen it, like which was a year ago. Wow. You know? And so I, I kind of enjoyed I knew it was super low budget, like they they couldn't even afford a tree. <laughs> you know. But other than that, you know, yeah, I, Mike, I love the look of the zombies, man. They look like like the zombies from Burial Ground. Yes. But mm, you, yeah, you know, yeah. especially when they're coming out of their tombs and shit, and even like some of like the background ones that wear fake masks. Which Another, I also love. <laughs> Speaking of the zombies coming out of the ground, some of these zombies literally broke through concrete fucking walls. Like, some of them came out of mausoleums, and those mausoleums got concrete walls, and some of these motherfuckers are literally walking through concrete walls, but they can't kill a child. (laughs) That's kind of the dichotomy that gets me. It's like, in one scene, these zombies are ridiculously strong, that they can break through a, a concrete mausoleum. But then they can't kill a child when they get it in their arms. I, you know, minor well, gripes I understand, but I guess I think the the whole thing that they're not really in control of their own actions too. That's the problem. I can they, I can vouch for that. I mean, I can buy that absolutely. Yeah. But what's the point? That's why I call them decorations because that's what they felt like to me. They were just Halloween decorations, like. Why even resurrect them if they're not going to be effective? Because <laughs> it's fucking awesome <laughs> to look at. <laughs> I'll accept it. I mean, I'll accept yeah. it. I did like that scene, definitely. Yeah. The, them coming out of the ground and coming out of the mausoleums and the tombs and everything. Yeah. I did enjoy that scene a lot. And to be fair, this also happened. They actually did, redid this scene in Satan's Slave from uh, two years ago. And the, the zombies valid. didn't kill any people in that one either. I'm just saying. Oh, God. That movie's a masterpiece, though. Holy shit. And it was influenced by this movie. <laughs> there we go. Mic drop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ooh, All right. Shots but, fired. Yeah, but, you know. No, no shots fired. <laughs> we'll say that for podcast teapots. There you go. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, yeah, I recommend it. It's not perfect, but I don't think it's perfect. I know Venom definitely doesn't think it's perfect. <laughs> Even Mike agrees that it's not perfect. It depends on what the viewing experience was for you. If you're looking for like something that kill time, have fun with, some cheesy 80s horror goodness. Yeah, I think it's with... easily, for being like um, a foreign film, I think it's pretty easily digestible because like Venom said, maybe it hurts certain um, audiences that it's so familiar with some of its tropes, but I think that also helps with other audiences because while while technically it's a foreign movie, it's still going to have a lot of what people are used to. Um, so I think if people, uh, if American audiences give it a chance, especially now that's on Shutter, I think people would dig it. Hell, and even like the because tra- the transfer was done by Vinegar Syndrome, and yeah, it looks nice. No. Yeah, yeah, like I, I was actually shocked because. 
I, I did try to watch this movie on like an old DVD rip that Dave sent to me for the 85 show. I couldn't fucking see shit on that DVD <laughs> rip. So I'm like, yeah, I'm not watching. Yeah. I did like, uh, it seems like um, the video game Silent Hill kind of borrowed something from this movie because whenever Devlin was in the house, we noticed that the, it, it turned into radio static on the radio. You know, you yeah. have those two kids. Yeah. And then, like, at first it started to go in and out, but then once Devlin actually was physically in the house, they lost the radio completely. It was just static. I thought that was cool. Yeah, you know, see? obviously it reminds me of Silent Hill, and maybe that's where Silent Hill got it from. But yeah, yeah Silent I that was Hill cool. was influenced Saiyan Slaves and Silent Hill. There you go. See, mic drop. <laughs> I'm okay with that. <laughs> I will say, though, what the fuck was that music that they decided to listen to? These are fucking, these are what, 19, 18, 19, 20 year olds in 1985, and they put on 50s classic rock? Really? That's what you went with? Interesting. Hey, you never know in Mexico, man. <laughs> no, hey. <laughs> I, knew, I knew a lot of Mexicans in the mid 80s. I don't remember any of them. They would listen to doo wop and shit like that, but like this was like just classic 50s radio rock, and I'm just like, what? what? Really? This is what you went with? That's probably what they could afford. I guess. I mean, that's valid too. But goddamn, it's eighty. It's like everybody that age I knew in '85 was either listening to metal, pop, or rap. You know what I mean? A little bit of punk too. Hell, the, hell. The only reason why they got the fucking song "Don't Panic" and "Don't Panic" is because they made the fucking singer the fucking star of the movie. Yeah, that's that's true. That is true. Yeah. Have you guys seen the other Ruben Galindo that's on Shutter? Because when they don't panic, put Cemetery of Terror, they put another one on there with it. Brave Robbers. Is that is that it? I haven't seen that I one. I think either. Don't is Panic's it, it... on Shutter too. They're, they're fun. Like Don't Grave Robbers is kind of in line with this, where it's kind of uh, that you could definitely tell that's a fucking directed DVD or video movie from that time, ninety two. That's yeah, but so would, you say, would you say Cemetery of Terror is like the best of the bunch that are on Shutter? I I like Don't Panic too, if that's still on there. You know, I think it's a lot more fun. It's kind of cheesy. Plus, it's kind of like the, even like the Freddy Krueger makeup on the main dude. It's kind of funny. Yeah. You know, it's kind of cheesy. Like what was up with is, his hands? Like I couldn't. I what the fuck was up with his hands? They were like these little stubby like claws. Like how does a guy that big? Almost, have his... It almost looked like fish fish person hands. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like frog person. Yeah. I, I I mean I I could see the claws and I can understand why he attacks people the way he does, but it just it, uh, again why the fuck are his hands so small? Like I just it, it was just really really weird. It made me think of Donald Trump. Maybe they they grow back like Deadpool's <laughs> and he had baby hands. I guess, but I mean, he was fucking some women up, both as an as a living human and as a reanimated corpse yeah. with those hands. So I mean, I'll give him the credit. I'll give him all the credit that's due. I just wish they would have said like, "What the? F this this guy is like six foot six, and he has the tiniest hands." <laughs> and you know what they would have did? They would have been like called a thorn. No, stop it. <laughs> that's why Wait. you don't explain things, Venom. Really want like the that. cult of thorn to happen. That's why yeah, you don't explain. Well, I think Derek's the president of the cult of Thorn. I know. I'm just saying, that, like Venom wants, you know, that's the best part about Michael Myers in the original movie because we don't know anything about him. And when they started to explain more shit about him in every fucking choose your own adventure, yep. I'm like, this is fucking stupid. The cult oh, of Corey God. coming soon. Oh, stop it! 
<laughs> don't even wish don't don't wish that into existence. That's why sometimes no story is better. Valid. I will. I'll, I'll go with that. I will definitely because they could have given us a stupid backstory that would have made me legitimately hate the movie. And like I said, I don't hate it. Yeah. I just wish we got a little more. That's all. Yeah. The characters say sometimes no story is better. <laughs> I did. Don't go down that road. Don't write that down. <laughs> don't, do do dark don't do dark galoshes. Don't do dark galoshes, Argento. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't want to go to that cemetery. He also, man, he ripped through those six kids. Like it, it was literally like a like a ten minute scene, and he literally went through all six of them, like in in quick. Which I was happy because you know if they stayed any longer, I would have been fucking annoyed. No, valid. I mean, I, I had no issues with the girls other than the fact that they agreed to go to this stupid thing. Yeah, but, that red you know, girl was my favorite. Which one? The redhead. Oh, I like the brunette. I, I, I like I, I like them all. No, valid. They're all cute, but yeah. I'd be in a human centipede with two of them at least. Oh damn! But anyways, if you're interested in Cemetery Terror, it's on Shutter. It's in Mexican. Read subtitles. Don't be lazy. Just enjoy the ride. Either way. Yep. (laughs) All right. Yeah, I think that's gonna do it for our discussions (laughs) on our movies tonight. So I guess we can transition into closing out the show. But to help close out our show, we actually have a guest. Can you guys believe it? An 11th hour guest. We do. Guest, introduce yourself. Or not. Oh, oh, I'm here. I'm here. Can you hear me? Hi, Lacey. It's me. No, I actually, uh, I, I got to hear a little bit of the, I didn't get to hear the whole show, but um, just to piggyback off of what you guys were just discussing, uh, you know, my favorite line almost of any movie is when Billy Loomis says, before he ruins it and gives a motive, he says things are a lot more scarier when there is no motive, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, like, and then he fucked it all up by, like, having a revenge motive. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, no, uh, and I think a franchise that is guilty of doing this is Paranormal Activity. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so much scarier when it was unexplained. Like, you don't know oh, why God. these things are happening. Like, that first movie, nobody knows it has anything to do with, like, a witch or a cult. Like, everybody <laughs> thinks it's, like, all ghost-related, right? Yeah. And that's so much scarier. And then like it gets so it gets so far from like that first film. I I know a lot of people appreciate, you know, three and uh, that's where it explains it. And three is scary. There are scary moments in three. But like when it explains too much and it it, it, it just lost me because that first paranormal experience in the theater. I. okay, So like. We're all avid people that go to the movie theater still, right? Of course. The movie movie theater experience is next to none, in my opinion. Like, like, there's no comparison. Like, uh, I will, like, I will open a movie theater. I will have a GoFundMe if movie theaters ever go out. You know (laughs) what I mean? Oh, Oh, yeah, I'm right there with you. The day that movie theaters go away, I I build my home theater. (laughs) 
<laughs> right there. I think we will all band together to create the last movie theater standing. And it will be in Bo <laughs> Ranzel's house. Nice. <laughs> I like it. It's going to be a thing. But until then, um, at, this was at, at a point in time like to where movie theaters were selling out. And uh, this was like the next Blair Witch, right, is what people were like dubbing this film. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And so everybody was like, ah, oh, my whole family was like, we all got to go together. We have to see it together. It was one of those kind of things, <laughs> which is super cute because uh, that doesn't happen now in my life, you know. And I just remember, like, we all went to the theater and they were like, well, it's pretty much sold out, but we have these front row seats. And wow. it's so... <laughs> So, yes, I had to watch the paranormal activity, like, the front row to where, like, you're going to get knit cramps. hmm And, like, it's right there, you know? And uh, this movie, like, triggered my sleep paralysis like nothing else. And it was scary. It was right there. Like, you could see things flying, and you just felt like you were in it. Like, it was 3D, but it wasn't. <laughs> And it was just, like, I never, like, I will never sit in those seats, ever, ever. I don't think anybody wants to, right? Um, only time I ever sat in the front row was Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, just because... Was it by choice? No, of course not. It just, right? it, it was the only seat available. <laughs> right, so you do what you gotta do. Yeah, exactly. But, but that's how popular this movie was, you know? Yeah, and, yeah, and I think this was, what, 2008? Uh, sounds right. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, somewhere around there, right? Like, uh, like mid two thousands. Because part two was twenty eleven, I believe. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was like two thousand eight, two thousand nine, maybe. I'm pretty sure it's oh eight. Mm-hmm. But um, I just remember like we all went and like we had like nine people, <laughs> and they're like, if you all want to sit together, this is where you got to go. And but this is actually where you have to go because this is all that's left. <laughs> and it was you know it, to get back to your theme of to where they explain too much this movie explains nothing the first film explains nothing and then the rest of it it kind of just takes away from it I feel absolutely I, you're I 100% like, correct yeah, but I, I, I will <laughs> always I'll always side with a movie giving me a good backstory Obviously, they can't all be good, and I understand. And I even made that point during the review today that maybe they would have expanded the story and it would have sucked. And, you know, I appreciate that. I totally do. But I I love my stories. I 100% love good stories, good character arcs, good narratives. And because of that, I've just always kind of leaned towards wanting a story in my movie. I I know it's not always going to be good, but at least if I get some kind of explanation, it just kind of... Uh, it just makes it a little bit more enjoyable for me. Now, I'm not disagreeing with Lacey whatsoever. She's well, 100% correct. Venom. Sometimes less is more, you know? Well, I have to ask you, Venom, like, because I know you're a very avid, you know, franchise watcher as well as I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, has there been a sequel that has ruined a, a, a movie for you because they over-explain something? Honestly, I'm the kind of guy that doesn't like to play the compare game. So 
I've, there have been plenty of instances where a movie, uh, a second or third movie in a franchise absolutely sucks, but I still, yeah. I still adore the first one. Like in my, for me personally, there's nothing that could ruin a great movie experience. No matter how bad the Halloween sequels got, Halloween 78 is still one of the greatest well, horror films ever made. I think that was going to be one of my examples is Halloween H2O. That ending felt so definitive at the time that it happened. Yep. And then we get resurrection. Like, I choose, like, I mean, it's, it's fun to watch, whatever, and make fun of. But I feel like H2O is the definite end of that timeline for me. Don't tell Don and Nelly because he loves resurrection. Don't yeah, ask actually, me why. But. We yeah, just I, talked about this on, uh, it will be the premiere episode of the Top 10 Horror Countdown. We talk oh, about it. We do. Oh, interesting. But I'm just, you know, like, so I'm curious if there's some, is there a sequel that has actually ruined it for you guys? No, not for me personally. No, never. Okay. Um, I don't think anything has the ability for me to tarnish the good that's come before something bad. Like I could say like the Terminator sequels outside of like two, even three to some aspect, like start getting pretty mediocre, but the first will always be a classic. The second will always be excellent. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. I, I don't think anything can ruin the original. What about you, well, Lacey? There, I mean, has there been? I mean, I guess you get the paranormal. Has there original for you guys? One more time, Lacey. Has, has there been a sequel that has surpassed the original? Oh yeah, multiple times. Yeah, yeah. Dream Warriors. <laughs> oh no, 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 no! Definitely not. <sighs> I think some of the Friday, I think some of the Friday the Thirteenth franchise movies are better than the original. Oh yeah, I I way I, prefer part two to part one, uh, and I love. I, the I think I think one through four, every single one kind of gets better as it goes. To be honest, absolutely. I gotta disagree with you guys. Like I thought that for the longest time, I was like four is the best, and then I was like three is the best, and then like I just recently rewatched the first one, and I was like, oh my god, this is a fucking masterpiece. It absolutely like, is. I mean, I saw that in the theater with my mother opening weekend, and it was just one of the best murder mysteries I'd ever seen, but with gore. I mean, how like, how great is that? Like, you know, it, it's so weird how horror affects us at different stages. Like, I mean, I watched all of these movies a million times, and I'm like, ah, this is my favorite. This is my favorite. And it, I, I like let, let's just break it down to franchises, right? Because, and I think that's the amazing thing, and that's why we keep coming back to them. Because they give something for everybody. Like, it's not just like, hey, we're going to leave you on the cold. We're going to give you that ridiculous space movie that you've always fucking wanted. (laughs) Or, you know, uh, we're going to put you out in the desert. Or, like, there's something for everybody. Literally. Um, but for me, like, growing up, like, I I was at the age of growing up. Like, I know some of you guys grew up with it to, as they were coming out, right? Mm-hmm. For me, like, the, the peak of it was the sequels. So maybe that's why I'm such a fan of sequels. And they keep the legacy living. And I think a lot of people forget that. 
Like, they're just trying to keep it going and live on. The problem is, is that when you love a franchise as much as some of us do, I'd rather they leave it alone. I never, ever want to see, I I never want to see another Friday the 13th movie, ever. It's done. No? Nope. I fucking never want to see another Friday the 13th movie. What is the end for you? What? What? What is the definitive end for you? What do you mean? I, I love them all. That, I mean, you got to realize well, Friday is no. my favorite where franchise. Would, where would your preference be of where the franchise would have ended? Yeah, where would Honestly, it, where I, should they have stopped? No, no, yeah. I don't regret. I don't regret oh, any I of the movies they made. It, but where would you have liked them to have ended it? Well, I mean, I think ninety nine percent of Friday fans would say part four. I mean that. that I mean, um, what do you call it? Uh, Tom Savini went back to do the final chapter because he was promised that was going to be the last one. That's the only reason he came back to do the effects. I would have been very okay if they ended it there. Now, obviously um, that was before Jason became a rock star before he was on Arsenio and, you know, making appearances and, and, you know, out in public for non horror things. So I understand that Jason wouldn't have become the rock star that he would have been. But again, as far as the the actual story arc, I would be okay if they would have ended it with four. But I still do love all of them that came after for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. You know, despite Jason X being terrible, I still can enjoy it and watch it periodically. You know, okay. so yeah, I, I, well, I like what's up. Well, okay, no, like I, I I get that, like, but so like my favorite franchise, everybody knows is Scream, right? Yep. Oh, and, yeah. No, for the no way. Time, oh, shut <laughs> all right, so the longest time, all I had was Scream 3. Yes, I have come to appreciate it. Years gone on, right? But if that was where it ended, do you know how disappointed I would be? Uh, no. Like, there's a bigger... <laughs> no, like, I guarantee you. I guarantee you there's something bigger at play. And I believe Radio Silence is doing... I, I know you guys weren't the biggest fans of Five, right? I liked it. I don't know about these... I know these two guys were yeah, different, it, but I it enjoyed was just, it. it. Yeah, it was just more of the same for me. It wasn't a bad movie. It just... I, I don't know that it needed to be made, but, you know, whatever. That's just I, had some, I, I had some issues, but I enjoyed the ride with it. Thank But, I mean, like, if you look at, like, some of the other sequels of the big four, right? Mm-hmm. I think this is a cohesive story. I mean, yeah, it's the same story we've gotten four times, but yeah. <laughs> but it's still, but it's still relevant because it's playing on today's times. Well, Scream has always been relevant. It's always been meta. That's that's their thing. I mean, they they started it, and they're probably going to end it by you know burying it into the fucking ground. But. um yeah, Scream, you got to realize that Scream isn't my franchise. Like, I was already 30 I, years old when the first one came out. I, I, I'm just I not the target eight. market. You were 30? I was 30 when, uh, wait, 30, I was 29. So, yeah, I mean. And then you're 20 years older than me? Um, <laughs> if you're 32, then yes. I'm 35. Uh, no, I'm 52. So. Uh, Scream came out in 96. I was okay, 16. so I was 28. I was 10. So you're 10 years older than me. Yeah. What? No, no, I'm way more than 10 years. You, if you're like 35, 17 years older. I'm 17 years older than you. I'm 17 87. years. 
Yeah, I was born in 70. So like, I, my, my point is, I, it doesn't matter what exact age I was. The point is, is that I wasn't the target market for Scream. I can appreciate what it did. I absolutely can. I'm not going to shit on a franchise that people okay, love. So where were you at in the 90s? Like, what was your boutique? Foreign. In the 90s, that's where I discovered foreign horror. And everything coming out of Japan, and Italy, it, that's the shit that I was really digging That makes so much on. sense, though, because, like, I feel like... I didn't get into that until like six years ago. Yeah. To the foreign market. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Everybody's journey is different in, in our the genre that we love. So, you know, I'll never give anybody shit because they, you know, no. saw something and late. That's but... why I love you all because you <laughs> all turned me on to something that like I would never have watched, period. Well, that's nice. Thank you. Thank you. Know? you. Aww. Like, honestly, like, Derek made me watch, like, the fucking Willy Wonka guy. In a glass cage. face. <laughs> like, it's so fucked up. Mr. Venom will make me watch, like, a creature feature that I never fucking heard of. Mm. Mike Merriman <laughs> is just there in the corner jerking off. Just to... He's not jerking off. He's sleeping. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I was thinking about Dan Chase. Sorry. Hey. <laughs> no, oh. I think you guys all have such an amazing perspective on horror and uh I credit a lot of where I've come from. I think I've, I I think I've come up a lot. And I think I've evolved a lot because of you guys. So, ever want- since the fateful the fateful day you put yourself on the map by posting about walking out of it chapter 1. Is that the world was never the same was? since. I mean, I think some of we, I think at least us, we knew you before that, but I think that really, that created like the mini firestorm of like, oh my God, how dare she say that? And that's kind of like what elevated, but I think we knew you before that. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Much, much before. Uh, and, and, and I have to uh, kind of rectify something here. I did just, um, I went to a bar during Halloween. Oh. They, uh, they did a screamathon and I was so in it. And uh, we watched all the screen movies. And then they were like, all right, so to end Halloween, we're going to watch It Chapter 1, 2, and then the new ones, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I went there and I watched uh, the 1999 or the 1990s miniseries. And yeah, it's not that good. <laughs> Ouch. Ow, stab me in well, the face. You heard it here first. Damn. Um. <laughs> But, I think, but at the same time, but at the same time, no, I, I, I love the first portion of. When they're in the 50s that, and they're kids. Yes, when they're children. However, when it gets to them when they're adults, it's bad. It's Ooh. really bad. I, I love you, Bev. <laughs> we'll agree to disagree. <laughs> yeah, oh, so you like it when they're adults. I love the all of the 90 minutes. I mean, you gotta well, realize I, I watched still, that when it aired. Like, like, I still think it's better than what we got for uh, the Andy, whatever his fucking name is. Let's uh, again, we'll agree to disagree. <laughs> Why are we disagree? Oh, so you like Andy, whatever? I love Andy Muschietti. I absolutely, I adore him. I I love everything he's done. I'm so confused by what you're saying to me right now. Well, I mean, hey, well, I mean, and, and I'm confused. Do you like the 90s or do you like the new 
rendition better. I don't prefer one over the other. I think they're yeah. both perfect. I think I think the 1991 had the perfect Pennywise for a TV movie, whereas the new ones again had the perfect Pennywise for an R-rated cinematic film. You got to realize the 1991 was a TV movie, so obviously. So, you know, you're obviously not getting a lot of the horror set pieces you, that you're going to get. Can you imagine Tim Curry, though, if they had a budget? He Well, the thing is, is that if Tim Curry would have been offered the script that Andy Muschietti wrote, he would have never done it. Way too violent. I mean, I, you yeah. got to realize that he only really attacks one person in the original, in a violent way. Orgy, which the is youngest orgy, exactly. if, so, if the movie would have been... If they would have tried to make in 1990 what we got in 2017 and 19, Tim Curry would not have done it. And that's why I say the 90s, it, the 90s version or the 1990 version is a perfect TV horror film. It's a TV movie, and I think they fucking nailed it. It's the it. best mini series out there. Plus, he, what he, what up? Yeah. Plus, Tim Curry didn't want to really do like heavy prosthetics to it because he did that with Legend. He's like, yeah. He didn't want to go through that again. That's why the makeup's kind of... His poor neck had to hurt when he was done with that production. Those yeah. Horns, well, those horns look like they're 30 pounds each. <laughs> well, I guess we know when, when Lacey comes back as a guest for the whole show what her picks might be. Killer clowns. Uh, but what, a, what a great way to... What a great way to kind of round out and close out the show with a special guest. I guess there's always room in hell for Lacey Lou. That was our um, But before... <laughs> I know that was like a burning question segment at the end. Well, before we get out of here, we're actually going to let everyone know where else they can hear us. And since you're here, Lacey, I'll let you go too. But let's start with uh, Venom. Venom, what do you have out there right now for people to listen to? All right. Uh, we have No More Room in Hell presents Creature Comforts episode 13. It just dropped last week. In that episode, Derek, Don, and myself look at 1973's The Golden Voyage of Sinbad. This is actually our first foray into Ray Harryhausen films. And um, I think you'll be surprised by some of the comments that we make about the film, um, both positive and negative. So, yeah, check out that episode. That is currently available on darkdiscussions.com. And then the only other thing I have is a guest spot. Uh, Basically, last night, actually, I made my triumphant return to It's Not Horror, okay? Okay. Um, I'm not rejoining by any stretch, but uh, they they did literally one of my favorite action movies of the 2010s, which is Dread. And when they told me they were doing Dread and then they had an extra spot, I jumped on it because I fucking adore that movie. Um, so that was fun. your passion, Venom? <laughs> uh, hey, I'm a Hispanic. I got a lot. I got fiery blood. No, I just love your passion for film in general. Ah, who's I, all it, doing NFW now? Is it just whoever kind of shows up? I'm not sure about NFW at all. I mean, uh, you were talking about it's not horror, okay, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it, excuse, it, excuse me. I, I meant it's not horror, okay? Yeah, it's not horror. It, it, it's got a whole. I mean, nudie is still there, but basically. I mean, I know nudie like nudie captains the ship, but like, is it yeah. like hey, there's all these people that could potentially show up? Because that's kind of how it used to be. Right when I was on the show, it was pretty much. <laughs> when I was on the show, it was almost always the five of us, the main five of us, and. It, it seems like Scott and Heather are just kind of, they kind of show up every now and again. Um, same thing with Android Virus. You know, he's there every now and again. So, yeah, the, the cast, as I know it, is pretty much gone. I still had a really good time with Mona and Willis. 
uh, and, and Neil and Android on the episode. Like I said, it's one of my favorite action movies of the last decade. So it was it was a no brainer that I was going to be on that. Anyway, uh, I'm not sure when that'll be available, probably sometime next week. So look out for that also on Dark Discussions. And that's pretty much it for me. The only thing I got coming up, uh, it's kind of fortuitous that uh, Miss Lacey Lee joined us because my next guest spot will be on Cut to the Chase. Uh, and we're going to do it this time. And we're, and we're going to do it this time. <laughs> so I'm excited. And they picked a it's great movie. It's not Adam too. Sandler. It is not Adam Sandler. And hey, I still would have done Hubie Halloween. I, 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 I know you would have. I'm, I'm a professional. I, I do whatever I'm asked to do. But yeah, I you definitely know, wasn't you looking forward. I should have you do a whole Adam Sandler retrospective at some point. Oh, boy. <laughs> it, it's going to be like three <laughs> seconds long. <laughs> no, it would not be. It would not be. Like it there is depth to Adam Sandler. I know you don't see it, but sorry. Go on, Mike Mary. <laughs> uh were were you done, Venoms? Oh yeah. I'll yeah. pass it to I'll pass it to Derek. All right, Derek, what do you got? Well, I just got creature comforts. That's all I got. Because I've been taking kind of a step back from podcasting. You know, I just like to do my no Don't make me yell at you, boo-boo. <laughs> For what? They're here. I was going to mention that. Let me finish. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Creature Comforts, which uh, we just recorded. Uh, you know, we just did Golden Voyage of Sinbad. That's how... Our next episode should be out in December where we're actually going to be doing the brand new Netflix show, Troll, the movie, which, you know, from the director of Cold Prey. So can't wait to check that out. And uh, we uh, I also have some back catalog stuff on Cinema Attack. We also have some stuff on uh, what's it called? The Cut to the Chase Network with their here podcast, which some maybe someday will come back. Maybe. You yeah. never know. But other than that, that's all I got, Mike. <laughs> I love how that was elusive. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Lacey. Well, it would only be proper to uh, let our uh, final segment guest plug all her stuff, too. So what do you got out there? Everyone should know who you are if they're listening to us. So uh, what do you got for people to listen to? To be honest, I didn't come on just to plug my shit. I came out to hang out with you guys. So uh, if you don't know me, then whatever. So there's that. <laughs> She's Lacey motherfucking Lou. Like, honestly, like, I'm not here to plug my shit. I came to hang out with you guys. If you don't know me and if you want to know me, then you know where to find me. <laughs> we're all on the same network, people. <laughs> uh, honestly, like, we're all friends. We all plug each other's shit. Like, cut to the chase. That's it. Like, look that up on uh, Anchor. Then you can find everything. Like, yes, everything. I have multiple episodes coming out. We have the 12 Days of Chase Miss. But uh, other than that, I don't need to plug my shit. I love you guys. Thank you so much for letting me party crash. <laughs> I hope you guys plan on crashing the Slumber Party Massacre in 2023. We, we did... We did have male, males crash in 2022, so all three of you are invited to crash the slumber party in 2023. And I just yeah, and it would be poignant because I just bought Krampus pajamas, so I'm ready for a slumber party. <laughs> yes, are are they footies? No, no, I'm too big for footies. I don't think they make them in my size. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm gonna be wearing my Reese's 
Fucking slip his socks. Oh, you know what though? The, the or I've had a pretty depressing year. I'm not gonna lie. Like I've lost a lot of people that are close to me. But I think the most depressing thing is learning I was allergic to peanut butter. Oh no! Oh. Yeah, I ate I ate a Reese's Pieces and I felt like ass, right? And I was like, eh, okay, maybe I'm just like sick from not eating properly. And then so I ate Reese's. Still felt like shit. I had a peanut butter jelly sandwich. Felt, felt like more real shit. bad. And then to top it off, I was like, okay, just to test the theory. Like, I ordered ice cream from Baskin Robbins, right? Peanut butter. And I got the, and I get banana slits because I'm that immature of a person. I still get banana slits. Hey, banana and slits are awesome. I had the hot fudge. I had the strawberry. And then you get to choose your other topping, and then it was the peanut butter topping, right? Oh, boy. And it was the same feeling. So I'm definitely allergic to peanut butter as an adult, which is unfortunate. Did you so, break out, or did you feel pain? Uh, it, 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 it's painful. Um, like, midsection? Uh, midsection left mid-section. side? Yeah. Like, it, like, I don't, like, it's not like an upset stomach kind of thing. But, but it's a sharp it, pain. Yeah, like I'm like I feel sick. Okay, uh, I believe diverticulitis. No, no, I'm being serious here, uh, Lacey. I think you have gallbladder stones because that's exactly what I have, and the the cholesterol level in peanut products flares up that pain. Yeah, so, so you, you might want to go to the doctor and get. Um, I mean, because yeah, anything with peanuts in it is going to be high cholesterol, and if you have gallbladder stones, cholesterol loosens those stones and. I mean, you can ask these guys. I've missed multiple episodes because of the pain that my gallbladder has given me over the years. So well, now I mean, like, it's not like super strong. And I like asked my doctor about it. Well, I, I mean, like I said, just have them do a scan of your midsection. I, I, I not an MRI. It's the one where you have to drink that stuff, that nasty yeah. white shit. But um, everything that you're describing to me sounds like you have gallbladder stones. Um, but it's if, only when I eat peanut butter. Well, you probably don't. You probably don't eat a high cholesterol diet. Do you eat a lot of deep fried foods? Um, I eat a lot of pasta. No, pasta doesn't have cholesterol. It, it's specifically cholesterol. Uh, I do air fried food. Nope. Uh, again, is, if you're not deep frying it, it's not it's not no. gonna have a lot of cholesterol. I'm telling you, no, if, if no, the peanut butter has a lot of, I, lots I, of oil and shit in that, it, that's one hundred percent. And the next time I guess, I'll let you guys know. <laughs> yeah, because that's how it started for me. It started. It only started a couple of years ago, and it and it well, wasn't a serious pain. It's a pain. weird pain. It's a weird pain. Exactly. And does it does it move sometimes? Does it go from the right to the left? No, it's it, it's literally just in one spot. Okay, then you're. And I feel if like you I'm have, gonna be sick, but then I'm not. It's weird. Yeah, like, if, if you have stones, no. <laughs> I love where this show's going. I know. Yeah. I'm so sorry, you guys. There's well, definitely hey, no room in hell for gallbladder people. stones. No, no. Talk about real shit. <laughs> for real. Uh, yeah, the only thing I had to had was uh, fresh cuts. Our next episode is Violent Night. Which, that episode and this will probably release really soon. Mm-hmm. Is that even we a horror? Are. Is that even a horror movie? Isn't that like kinda, junk? Kinda. <laughs> kinda sorta. <laughs> oh, that's right. I, I guess no no one's seen it yet but me. 
Uh, we're going either today or tomorrow because I think it's almost midnight. So we'll say tomorrow. <laughs> I'm, I'm going Sunday. Well, as far as uh, this show goes, uh, for the rest of December, we might try to get a regularly scheduled episode 50. program. Yeah, episode 50. Woo-hoo. If not, we'll instead we'll record a commentary special and do episode 50 in January. Just kind of depends if we have time with the holidays to schedule like a regular episode and a commentary for the holiday. Uh, so we'll figure it out, but we should at least have something else for this month. So. Yeah. Um, Lacey, thanks for hanging out. Uh, I think we got a lot out of that segment. I love you all so much. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap up episode 49 of No More Room in Hell. Thank you, everybody, and all the listeners. And let's say bye. Bye, Hugo Stickless represent. Stay out of the fucking cemetery. (laughs) Of terror. (laughs) And watch out for Day Parker. Oh, damn. (laughs) Discount Georgie's.